hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle. Me, your host, Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Sunday. Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday, Special Sunday. Sunday. I didn't mess mm-hmm. that up. Mess that up. We're not uh, not a usual Thursday night show. It's a Sunday night show because Iowa caucus is tomorrow, and we have a good friend in town, so we wanted to bring him by the studio. I'm very excited for that. Uh, it is Sunday, and we don't have to compete with Tim Coleman, and I'm happy about it. For once. You have to compete with playoff football. And you know what? Tim Pool is stuck in Iowa right now uh, yeah. in the cold having to deal with all this stuff. And so is Clint from Liberty Lockdown. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he, I sent him a picture before his plane left. I'm like, dude, you're going to bring a big jacket. I would suggest you go get some nice you know, Wigger, Tim, Timberland Pro boots. It's going to be rough, dude. And he's like, yikes, I don't want to go. Then he, I text him right now. <laughs> everything about him. Because he's from San Diego and then moved Miami Ford. I mean, it's like, he doesn't know. They should drive straight to Shields and just suit up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so bad. we got a great show for you guys tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, of course, before we get too far into it, like, what I'm looking for, go check out Top Lobster. And the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you cannot get this great custom-tailored suit that I'm wearing tonight, but you can get all kinds of great t-shirts, backpacks, hoodies. Uh, you can get a... Uh, custom break the cycle pillow for your couch stream uh, and all kinds of great stuff by using BTC. Or you can join the Patreon, subscribe, start, become a member of the YouTube channel under all of my videos by hitting the join link where you can get into a private Discord server and get up to 30% off of all of his new gear two weeks before it goes to the general public if he ever puts it here. Uh, Ryan will moderate that. Yeah. Um, I, I think he, he did like a sponsorship with in some company that's the only gear that he's put out recently yeah we'll figure it out i'll talk to top we need to get figured. we need to have him on too because the netflix mm-hmm. death squad is blowing up he's already doing better than the first uh, proud proud of my good friend top uh, as i said we got a great show for you tonight i'm very excited uh, let's check in with our great co-host wonderful haired co-host mr ryan Curser. how are you doing uh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty cold because it is negative ten degrees outside and not a whole lot of fun. I had to I had to break out all the hardcore winter gear today. Negative negative ten degrees, but uh, it feels like negative forty five with the windshield. That's insane. Insane. I've never felt anything. Like that. Also from California. This is my fourth winter here, though. I'm not used to. We're not using monitors. Now that I don't have to listen to the intro. I I went to a football game in these temperatures once. Yes, that's uh. And it was a Bears-Packers game, and I'm a Vikings fan. Well, oh, hey, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go live in hell to watch my rivals play each other. Smart. Very it was smart. to spend time with my family, who are oh, Bears and Packers that's fans. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's got to be quality real. time. Yeah. Also, my other great co-host, Mr. AJ. How are you doing? Good evening, and greetings. Excited. Chinese spy balloon free, and uh, even though I'm sitting next to a retired cop, I'm still a little nervous. A little nervous. He's a little nervous. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's one of the good ones. Spidey you know? senses are tingling. <laughs> AJ's, our, uh, AJ's our resident felon. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. I'm fine. We, we love. Everything's uh, fine. Somebody's saying my mic needs, mic needs to be turned up a bit, Jock. Okay. Uh, what, what, is it my mic that needs to be turned up or somebody else's? You guys let me know in the chat. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, also, tonight, are, are my great, become my good friend over the I thought at one point I was going to have to dig deep dirt on Mr. Termott and, and play oppositional uh, research, but I've come to like the guy a lot. I think his plan's great. I, I you know, it's, it's somebody that I wouldn't 
should I not get the nomination? Mr. Mike Dermott, sir, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well. It's just an absolute joy to be with you. And interestingly, it is not merely a myth that you have a fantastic family and a beautiful wife and you're living the high life here. Yeah. I have to admit, I am really touched to be able to have spent some time with you here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have you over. We, we always promise dinner to guests. I got the, I got the taco special. Yeah. Yeah. We sat, a lot of tacos and sat with the kids, <laughs> sat with the kids who taught me how to eat a taco proper. They're saying my mix is low. I don't know why my mix would be low. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Is that better? I have, I'm the only one with a, uh, like an inline preamp on too, so it's, can't turn it up too loud. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds, it sounds good to us. Uh, I'm interested in knowing that, uh, AJ is, is feeling the, the tingly spider senses. <laughs> yeah. He's making me, uh, tingle a little bit too. I'm not sure that's, uh, because <laughs> he's a felon. He's just an interesting sort of guy. Yes, so I, I want to know what's what's making opposites him attract. Yeah, you guys just let me know. Uh, I did fix the mic there a little bit. It's probably a lot louder now. So if if there's anything wrong with it, you guys just let us know in the chat. Still, I'll keep keep working on the mix. Uh, if you don't know that we we actually went to like a like a full setup here with a rack mount uh, audio uh, kit. So um, I'm not perfect at the at the mix yet. But if it's if it's worse, let me know. I, I can see the audio playing. I can see it playing in the in the chat here. So, uh, if it keeps cutting out, I don't know what else to do at this point. But I'm gonna try and fix it. it it's in the red, it's in the red. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we got a lot to talk about. Of course, the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. The Libertarian Party uh, has its first chance first in history. First time ever. First time ever. First time ever. Yeah, ever to have first in the nation. First ever. First in the nation and first ever. Uh, Third First Libertarian Party Caucus, because we are a major party now, thanks to Rick Stewart, who ran for governor yep. here yep. and uh, got a, a big enough numbers to to become a major party status. Mike, uh, how, how does it feel to know that you're in one of the greatest libertarian states in the country? It's fantastic. I wish every state were more like Iowa, and I think that we could all say that for any number of reasons, except for the weather. Yeah. You know, I, I do like the ballot access, but... The, the warm basement access is is just as good. Yeah, it's nice it's having the warm basement yeah. for sure. Warm and, basement yeah. is almost as important. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> so we got we got every presidential candidate in the countries in town this last week. Vivek obviously uh, traveling around the whole state. If you haven't noticed, with Clint and Tim Cast and like other people. Yeah. Um, also, Trump was here. DeSantis. A lot of people don't know this. DeSantis has two permanent Iowa buses. Parked right up street yep. from my house, right up right up 50th Street here, and he uh he constantly is in in Iowa. He's been in Iowa a ton for the last I don't know three or four months. And he's in trouble, no? Uh, yeah, but he's actually he's actually pretty popular here in Iowa, and I would say especially in the Des Moines metro area, which has a lot of control over elections in Iowa, yep. just like any other big city. Um, which is it's not a really big city with seven hundred thousand people in Des Moines or something. It's not very much. That's a big metro city. Like That's a big city. Four hundred thousand. Is it four hundred thousand? Yeah, yeah, just like, just I Des Moines is like four hundred k. But if you if you include surrounding areas, areas yeah, I think I, I, yeah, it's a big city. Full metro is like four hundred thousand. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. I think. I think the, the Iowa only has like one point four million or something in total, right? Or uh, total. I think it's like two. Two million. Like, only have two million people here. Okay. I thought we had more than that. Maybe not. I thought it was 2.2 million, I think. I'm not sure. Anyways, let me know if the audio is still working, uh, uh, cutting out. I I can see it in the mix, so I don't know how it would be cutting out. If it's cutting out, it's 
something's going on there. Um, but yeah, DeSantis. So as somebody asked me recently, they were like, Hey, you know, who do you think's going to take second place in Iowa for the Republicans? Because everybody knows that Trump's going to win even in Iowa. Yep. Um, and, and a lot of people are like, Oh, Vivek is so popular in Iowa. And I'm no. like, I'm like, I live in Iowa, dude. He's not, they're like, well, you know, Mike, Mike Lee, he, you know, he, he endorsed him and this and that. And I'm like, listen, I've seen three Vivek signs yeah. in Des Moines Metro the entire election season. He is not that popular here. It is going to be DeSantis number two, if not number one. I'm, I'm guaranteeing that when it comes to the Republicans, it's going to be DeSantis number two or maybe possibly number one because he is so popular here. And a lot of people are just kind of done with Trump in Iowa too. Um, what, what are you seeing when you're traveling around, Mike? You've been all over the country for the last couple of months. Been all over the country. I think that uh, the Vivek Ramaswamy thing is ready to to go south. I'm I'm selling uh, Vivek short this week. I'm I'm going short on DeSantis. Going short on DeSantis. As a matter of fact, uh, are we allowed to discuss uh, maybe putting ten bucks on? You uh, saying uh, DeSantis is uh, going to come in second? I, I don't. I don't just. I don't just think. I think there's a chance DeSantis could take first here. Honestly, honestly no. I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm taking you up on that because okay. I. I know just like me, you're a big Nikki Haley fan. Oh. And <laughs> I hate Nikki Haley. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. I just enjoyed saying that. Um, I. I I'm going to go out and say uh, Nikki's got a decent chance of, uh, now that Chris Christie is out, she's got a decent chance of beating Ron. Not in Iowa. Just saying. And she, and, Just and I'll, saying. Tell you, I'll tell you, I've seen one Nikki Haley sign the entire election. Yeah, but it's big, state. loud, and obnoxious. Yeah, just like her. Of exactly. Course. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I do. Did you see the meme where it's her and Vivek yelling at each other, and they're just saying a bunch of like, oh yeah, Indian yep. Punjabi stuff? <laughs> it's so it's so messed up, but it's hilarious. Um, I listen. I I don't like anybody in the race less than I like Nikki Haley. Um, she's a, an absolute piece of shit war hawk to the max. One of the the worst candidate running this year. It, it, there is no doubt about it. Um, the fact that she's got any legs at all to stand on in the United States of America blows blows me away. Um, she if she had her way, she would have her fingers on the nukes to bomb Absolutely. the Middle East. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the thing like that first Republican debate uh, I watched with Nikki Haley and Vivek where they started arguing. You know, Vivek also plays this. I'm an anti-war guy. I'm going to stop all these wars. And then they spent 10 minutes arguing about who was going to support Israel harder. Right. Yeah, right. And, and who was going to go to war for Israel harder. And I'm like, how, how is anybody listening to this guy? First of all, how is anyone listening to Nikki Haley about anything? She's terrible. But listening to this guy who's talked about being anti-war and being the libertarian candidate, right, this whole time, and all of a sudden he's talking about how much he's going to support Israel. They're arguing about who's going to support Israel harder. To me, that's just like, that's a red flag to begin with. But then you start learning about how he did the big pharma pump and dumps. You know, he worked with big pharma. He cried during January 6th. and for the for the con congress people and and they're scared for their lives and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got to call BS on that too. Yeah. I got to right? call BS. I I think that Vivek is at, at his core, he's a politician. I think that he's positioning himself himself as a libertarian because he thinks it'll get him some traction. I don't think it's at his core. Sure. That's that's my uh, take on him. And that's why I think it's so easy for him to talk about invading Mexico and supporting Israel and some of the other stupid things he says, because I don't think he's actually a libertarian. Right. What do you think of that? No, I don't think he's a libertarian either. No, uh, I think he's, I think that a lot. So uh, libertarians are so fed up with 
what we consider to be the deep state, right? And this and the uh, the secretarial state, as he calls it, as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about all these uh, bureaucracies, basically, yep. that really run the country, yep. right? And as soon as Vivek was like, "Oh, I'm going to destroy this part of the state," libertarians were like, "Yeah," you know, and and we do this a lot. We did this with. Um, uh, surf mommy from Hawaii too. Uh, what's her name? T Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard, right? Tulsi. We, oh yeah, yeah. The same thing with her, right? Surf yeah, she gets like yeah, two issues mommy. right, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah, we're pulling the curtain back. Yeah, it was like she was she was good on the anti-war stuff for a moment. Yep, because she's she's gone off the deep end with the war stuff now too, right? And then I'm like, okay, yes, she's like that Homer Simpson meme where he's like skinny, and then you look at his back, and it's like all these fat pile held up by safety pins it's like it's like federal reserve uh you know anti-gun socialist monetary policy it's like it's like how many policies are you okay with being bad on if they have one good policy or yeah. two good policies and vivek's got some good policies i want to smash the fbi yeah i want to smash the cia i want to smash the DEA. he's very good on fighting the blob he's yeah. very good and very detailed and very thoughtful about it you got to give him that but that's he's, not enough. He's the only other candidate that's spoken out about Title 40. And I talked to me, him yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. I told him that I heard about it from you. Yeah, well, and, and I still, you know, people, a lot of people gave me shit when I said he stole that platform plank from me. Because he, <laughs> nobody, there's only one person that was running for president this year at all that talked about that at all. And it was Larry Elder. Yeah. Li but Larry Elder has always been really big on saving the family, which I've appreciated about Larry Elder. Being from California, Larry Elder is one of the very few politicians in California that you're like, yeah, that guy's all right on some stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then Vivek goes on, Clint and Tim Cast and all these other podcasts that surround us, right? And all of a sudden he's talking about Title 4D and saving the family relationship. And I'm like, I know. I know you saw my platform. I know for a fact. If you were on Clint's show, you know, and you're following his Twitter, you're seeing my Twitter. For sure, there's no doubt. And, I, and I've posted that platform plank repeatedly. So, you know, I think it's an important platform plank. Can we get you to commit to ending Title 4D? Oh, 100%. As a matter of fact, I, I was going to say, to be fair, uh, I sent you a clip. You probably don't remember it. You may not have noticed it in the first place. Uh, I talked about it uh, two years ago uh, in Florida, the Florida Convention. And uh, I, I, I didn't get the sense that we were getting a whole lot of traction on it. And I commend you for raising it and pounding it hard because it is an important issue well and who's who's a better person to talk about it than the guy raising seven kids including adopted kids yeah no who had nowhere to go but exactly foster care and um you know and, and so it's a it's a really you know a lot of people will be like oh that's just your pet project issue i'm like no it's like the crux of what's wrong with america today right like before gerald ford signed this into, in into law in 1975 there was like one in 60 homes that were fatherless home that's one in four in that short amount of time, that's a huge problem. I think it needs to be said that the social policy in the United States, the financial policy that actually is social policy, right? The, the social policy of the federal government of the United States is bad for us, not just financially, but socially, culturally. You know, it really undermines our, our families and our entire way of life. That may sound a little bit uh, melodramatic, but uh, I'm dead serious. I commend you for, for pounding this issue. And I think that it... it it speaks volumes about all of the issues that the government gets involved in. Sure. You know, we complain about the financial aspect, but at, at their core, there is some piece of it that is just not good for you, even if you can afford it. It's it's bad for you. Right. No, I agree. I agree fully. And I think I think you know we we obviously see eye to eye on a lot, almost everything. I mean, yeah. But uh, before we go too far in it, we did get a couple of super chats. Thanks for two two dollar super chat, Kevin Brady. He said Haley is George Bush with a landing strip. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and Joshua Smith's four four hundred four thousand two hundred sixty oh, yeah. ninth kid. Yeah, I always mess this up. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a it's uh, four twenty sixty nine. Yeah, I think satire. we follow each other. It's a satire guy. I love this guy to death. By the way, he he, he acts like he's my forty second thousand. That's funny. Child. Actually, that's um, funny. He's been a member for sixteen months of the show. Thank you so much, dude. He said, uh, "Mike, do you think you can win the West Michigan vote based on your last name alone?" <laughs> uh yes actually uh probably uh western michigan is probably the only place in the united states that doesn't say gee that's a weird name right as a matter of fact if i were in western michigan i don't believe i'd be the only mike termott yeah you, you, those are the other mike termots that's where yeah, they, they all uh, live in west, west there michigan. are several mike termots in the united states but probably most of them in western michigan uh i had uh family in holland uh holland michigan that is uh holland Holland than in the Netherlands as well, but uh, it is all Dutch out there. It's a beautiful country. The people are uh, fantastic, and uh, that is different from New York Dutch, sure. as you may know. Uh, two waves of Dutch immigration in the United States. The first was to New York, and the second was to Michigan, and uh, that's where my family comes from. I grew up outside of Chicago in uh, Dutch garbage. The uh, Chicago garbage industry was all Dutch oh, wow. in the 20th century. And that's where my family uh, was making its do you, money. Do you want to know something really cool about my family that I, so you know, Bertoli, the olive company yeah. that does like the, the yeah. biggest olive oil company in the world. Absolutely. Uh, my grandfather's family actually owned the olive farms that they bought to become Bertoli. Oh, wow. They sold it. Uh, I can't remember the exact year. My grandpa has a book, but we, I could have been the olive heir. I could yeah. have been the guy. <laughs> right. And instead, his family, they were farmers and hunters, Italian farmers and hunters, and they sold it. And uh, and so I did not get to be the Oliveira, and they sold it for way under what it would be worth now. Mm. Can you course. imagine? I'd be the Oliveira. And if Bertoli was your distributor, yeah, I mean, I'd imagine. The, I'd be the Oliveira, my friend. Well, similarly, I could have been the uh, garbage guy in Chicago, uh, but my grandfather sold to a company that sold to Wayne Heisinga. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that name. Uh, I'm not consolidated. Well, well, trust me then he consolidated, uh, all of Chicago garbage and then New York garbage and then American garbage. And that's how uh, waste management Inc came into being one of the biggest industrial firms in the United States. Nice. Nice. Uh, there's so, money in garbage. Yeah. There is a lot of money in garbage. Where was organized crime in, in trash? Was that New York? Uh, the, the or Jersey, I think the in whole a lot of places. Coast. Yeah. A lot of yeah. places. I know, I know for sure. Massachusetts. I mean, the organized crime in Massachusetts ran everything for a long yeah. time. And in fact, I was talking about this the other day, uh, today, actually, before I came to the debate, because I was talking about, I was talking to my wife about Mike and I was like, you know, he's one of the candidates running that I actually really like. And I'd run with him or uh, he could run with me or any, anything like that. I'd be totally fine with, I'd be fine with him getting the nomination. I think that that's one of the very few people in the party right now running that I'd vote for. Um, and, and we were talking about that. And then I, I was like, and there has been some allegations of him being a little like Gary Johnson. I don't necessarily believe that, but we were talking about Gary Johnson. Oh, Gary Johnson. He was from where? I'm like, he was a two term governor of New Mexico and he ran with the uh, governor of Massachusetts, Bill Wilt, who I can't stand by the way. Right. I am definitely, if, if you were, if there were allegations, you'd be in by like Bill Weld. That would make you like yeah. uh, Bill Weld. That would yeah. be really weird. Right. And, uh, but that Bill would... Weld is, it's very known that when he was the governor of Massachusetts, he had links to the mafia in, in Boston, the Irish mob. And he hung out with a lot of the Irish mobsters and drank a lot and all that stuff too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Irish mob ran Massachusetts for... Was that 
That was Whitey. Was that Whitey Bulger? Whitey Bulger. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, who so. was only caught recently? Who was an FBI informant? The entire yeah, time. They, don't they always seem to end up that way? <laughs> the bull and all them guys. But he was the kind that was like, yeah, yeah, I almost got him. I just need some more time. Yeah. 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 So, like, so it's what amazing you, what you will sell to save your butt. Oh yeah, <laughs> no shit. Uh, so, what do you say to the allegations that you're just another Gary Johnson? I don't see it. I honestly don't see it. I don't even know where it comes from. As a matter of fact, you're the only person who has said it to me. But uh, that's not true. No, I that's watched, not true. I watched who the system said it is to down. Me? I watched the system is down religiously. Dan Smots is a very good friend of mine. Dan Smots and Dave Casey both called you out on it on the show when you were on the system is down. Ah, yeah. well, I believe you, but they say a lot of weird things. And do. I don't, they do. I don't, I don't keep track of that. He's the one that called me your throw pillow. Yeah, yeah. Dave Casey called him my throw pillow on the yeah, show. Yeah, he said, he <laughs> okay. said I, I'm not his friend or his co-host. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't come over and eat dinner with my family every week. And Yeah, and, well, I can I can vouch for the fact that he is a lot more than your throw pillow, and I think that that is the clock striking 13 on, on that little podcast that you mentioned there. So I, I wouldn't put a lot of credibility in that. It, I have often said that, if, if nothing else, there is a lot that we can learn from from uh, Gary's yeah. campaigns. And I have often said that it, it, it was not him forgetting what Aleppo is that caused his campaign to collapse. The fact that he uh, forgot what Aleppo was, he could have survived that if he had given his followers enough reason to hang on to him, but he hadn't. And I, I often point out that the, the real contrast to be drawn there is between him and Donald Trump, who said famously, they say I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue without losing a great deal of support. And I think it needs to be said for all of your listeners that shooting someone on Fifth Avenue is actually worse than forgetting the name of a town in Syria, sure. to be fair, to be fair. But I'm not sure Trump was wrong, right? I mean, he's a, he's a, a buffoon. And you know, I was in New York in the 80s, so I've gone 40 years with all kinds of reasons to dislike Donald Trump. But Donald Trump could do a lot of things dumber than forgetting what Aleppo was. And people are not going to give up on him because they know why they like him. They know why they hate him. And not so with Gary Johnson. That's why his campaign collapsed. Yeah. And I will say when I was on Timcast, uh, we were, we had, we were, I had an Aleppo moment legitimately. Ah. We were talking about Syria and Aleppo. And then he brought up the Gary Johnson thing. And I, I said, you know, the capital of, of Syria, Aleppo. Ah. And he's Damascus, like, buddy. Damascus is the, is the capital. And I knew that. Yeah. But here's the thing is the um, the capital of the government of Syria is Aleppo. And so, so technically you so were right. Technically I was right. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was I know Damascus. I knew, you know, Damascus. I know Damascus is the capital of Syria, but I, I you know, I always hear Aleppo constantly. And so it just was stuck in my mind. And then I knew that it was the 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 government capital, which is different than the actual yeah. country capital. Well, you know, but this, this makes our point is that, you know, you can make a, a mistake. I can make a mistake. It is not important in the grand scheme of things when you are out there telling people what is it you stand for and you right. make your agenda known, you make your platform known and understood, you completely differentiate from the other candidates, the other parties. What you have to say is a hell of a lot more important than passing some geography quiz. Well, and I, and I venture to say that I, I would have taken a, a, a candidate that didn't know where Syria was over any candidate that's going to put us in war with Syria, right? And... You know, all this talk about Donald Trump, you know, being the anti-war candidate in 2016, he, you know, he didn't start any new wars. That's the big claim to fame. He didn't start any new wars, but he didn't take us out of any wars either. In fact, Joe Biden no. ended more wars 
than Donald Trump did. True. Yeah. That's a crazy thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Truthfully. Well, he went and found one to replace it real quick, though. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. But Donald Trump didn't end any wars at all. In fact, he did. He did almost get us into war with Iran when he had his uh, security forces droned, if you remember that. And that, you know, at the end of the day, the military industrial complex, what they want is a war with Iran. That's what they want. They really want that big war, hot war with Iran because that's going to be the one that makes us all the money and gets us all the all the power in the Middle East that we want. Right. And, well, and, and so, I think it would be good for the military industrial complex immediately in terms of profitability. Look, it's a, it's a multi-theater war. It's going to be a drawn-out conventional war. It's going to be on land, on sea, in the air. Think of all the different ways that, if you were an arms dealer, right? Think of all the different ways that you could benefit from that. You know, you got the Red Sea, and you got the Suez Canal, and you got the Mediterranean. Uh, you've got in Iran, you've got in Iraq, you've got in Syria, right? You've got in Israel, you've got uh, the Palestinian territory. There, there is almost nothing in the Middle East that you couldn't touch with this war. Yeah, and then you got Victor Boot, the arms dealer, the Russian oh, member, sure, yeah, the yeah. Merchant of Death. Yeah, they got he's free now. Yeah, uh, but we got uh, right time we got for uh, almost back, a hot right? war with Russia. Can we yeah. get him on the podcast? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Can we, most we likely. I bet we could. Uh, I, just wanna, I just want to hold up one second. I just want to say Dave Casey is in the chat and said sorry to your co-host Josh. He's I happy New Year, uh, <laughs> Dave. I Dave, you know I stopped. Dave was really mad at me because I was going at Rectenwald pretty hard. Well, it wasn't even really me going at Rectenwald. It was like my supporters going at Rectenwald, and some of them still do, except he's blocked most of them. Um, but Dave Casey was always like one of my best friends in the party, like legitimately, like loved the guy to death. Uh, and we had a falling out, obviously, over the Mike Heiss and Misa stuff that was going on a couple months ago. Uh, but I did see him say some nice things about me recently, and I just want him to know that, you know, uh, it's all water on the bridge. I love you to death. I'll see you. I'll see you at some convention somewhere, and I'll buy you a beer. Um, anyways, uh, at Joshua Smith's. Uh, son also mm-hmm. gives five dollars super chat. He said Ryan isn't your throw pillow, but he's definitely your body pillow. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd make a great guy. <laughs> Why is everything with Ryan always gay? He's got good hair. He does. Yeah. He does. It's he's the, got gay hair for sure. See, I don't know about gay hair. It's it's good hair. It's your, good your hair. Sons in the group chat with the homies with me. Yeah. Bunch of the uh, bunch oh. of the group chat is in here, and of course. Okay. Group chat has got to be somewhat gay. Yeah, group chat always gets gay. That's how it works. It's like Listen, it's like a Roman bathhouse. Yeah. Ryan Ryan wears glasses, but if he usually like it kind of glasses guys, they take the glasses off and they turn nerdy. He turns strikingly handsome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I check it out. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do I, without. I know, the that's a handsome dude. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, I know. I'm a pretty good right? he get a, he Ethnically a, ambiguous, maybe? I, I can see no. you guys. Do you remember? Like, do you, no, no, don't, don't, don't feed his ego. Do you remember the time on the show when he said, I'm objectively the best looking guy on the show? Do you remember when he said that? Do you yeah, remember objectively, that? Objectively, I like that. Objectively, that's <laughs> yeah. quite an assertion. Yeah, that's quite an assertion. Yeah. I think I am. Yeah, we know you do. We know you <laughs> think you are. Because uh, AJ's the best looking guy on the show. I'm going to let you know, dude. Look at that mustache. I, I think you got some tough competition here, you brother. You can't beat that mustache. We, we, we all got good mustache. No, I don't. I have a terrible. I have we all have dad vibes now, though. Yeah, we all have oh, dad, dad vibes. Now, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Mike, why don't you? You know, we're kind of, you know, mid, like a third of the way through the show here. And, Are we? Well, yeah, we haven't talked a lot about your campaign. I want to know about the the, new, the gold new deal. Now, I want sure. you to understand. I've done a lot of research. Okay, one. Th- I have not read through your gold new deal yet. I oh, that, that's that's got to hurt my feelings. I should. And that I, hurts I my feelings a little um, bit. You know, when this when the it's it's it sucks because when the race started kind of heating up here in the last couple of months, 
Uh, I I went into hibernation because we were having a baby yeah, and the holidays course, and all that stuff. So of course I had to miss uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut, and then I just missed Arizona this weekend. But that was because of weather. Yeah, um, we're back on the campaign trail. We're back traveling and all that stuff. But um, I would like to know from your mouth uh, what the new gold deal is and what's going to do for America. What it's all about. Well, the basic idea is that we need a new relationship between us and our government, right? Uh, as we often say, we need a new relationship between us and the government we will tolerate. So it, it means changing the government and, and thereby changing the relationship between us and our government. So, for example, uh, this is not the flagship, but I think it makes the point. One of the things that we talk about is to the, to the extent to which the federal government needs money, and we would all argue that it should be needing a lot less money than it thinks it needs, right? But set that issue aside just for 10 seconds. To the extent to which it needs money at all, it shouldn't be coming to us directly. It should not be coming to individuals to get that money. Anyone who has been audited by the IRS, as, as I have been, knows that that's a weird relationship between the federal government and you. I'm, I'm st it's ongoing for, what, almost three years now that the IRS has been holding my biggest tax refund ever Oy. because they've they automatically decided that none of my dependents were my, de my dependents without any. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they wanted a mountain of paperwork. I sent it all in and I've got, and the burden no of proof response. is on you. Oh, totally. The burden of proof is on you. No, it's absolutely uh, disgusting. And that's another element of uh, that relationship. That's just totally inappropriate. So we talk about this being the big reason. A, a lot of libertarians talk about getting rid of the IRS this is the big reason for us is that we believe that that relationship supporting the federal government financially, and we all agree it should be smaller no matter how it raises its money, but that uh, to the extent to which you need an income tax, you should be going to state legislatures for that. I believe that we need states to stand up for us a little bit rather than just caving in and saying, in effect, sure, go after Joshua, right? The, the state of Iowa is saying, no, we don't want any part of standing up for Josh. Just, you know, you go uh, shake him down for whatever you can get. And they just think, mathematics aside, numbers aside, I just find that a, an inappropriate relationship. So that's a, an example. Sure. And and the, the, a lot of people are hearing this stand up for somebody thing, which is what the states were supposed to do. I mean, that was the that was the relationship between the states and the federal government and, and the people, right? Um, and a lot of people don't know that because we've lived <clears throat> under this federal centralized government rule for so long. But the, the federal government, what they've done, and smartly so, is that they've decided like, hey, we're going to subsidize your state entirely we're going to subsidize all these things all these things cost constantly things you're going to be getting money from the federal government but in doing so we're going to have all the power over your state as well yep. right and that's kind of how you know the mafia works right like this is a protection mm -hmm. racket that's all the government really is they take it. money from your constituents and they give it back to the uh, state but with strings attached right so they yep. get uh, they get their way and they can control you financially therefore they can control you politically yep. it's it's really uh, disgusting so the flagship of the Gold New Deal is the idea that states ought to have a right to opt out of federal supremacy and ought to have the right to unilaterally resolve conflicts between state law and federal law, so in, in state court, by the way. So in effect, it would be a, a, a nullification proposition. And there have been those in the Libertarian Party who have effectively teased me saying, well, can't we just, you know, we have the 10th Amendment already. Can't we just pass the 10th Amendment over again and say, this time we mean it? 
<laughs> which I think is a, a lovely idea. And if I thought that that could politically fly, I'd be right. right. Wouldn't you say not oh, to that? Another yeah. amendment. This is the 10th <laughs> amendment. It's over again. This time we mean it. Yeah. I this mean, time it's for real. Yeah. Really funny to try to like, wouldn't it? An amendment that is literally the 10th amendment word for word. And then we mean see it. See how many people don't notice. Yeah. Don't even, yeah. they'll be like, that's crazy. That's a crazy amendment. We yeah. can't have that amendment. And then you're like, it's already amendment. Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it really it speaks volumes. Of course, you would want to do the same thing with the Second Amendment and then eventually with the First Amendment. We're going to have to do it over again, too. A lot of the juice behind, a lot of the motivation behind. Oh, you can't say the Jews this, on here. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it occurred <laughs> that, that to me. It's it it. shut down every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got I to gotta be a little bit careful. I don't know who's listening. Uh, a lot of the the impetus behind the that that flagship proposition that states ought to have a, a right to nullification, a right to opt out of federal supremacy, came from an observation that my team made that there really is tremendous movement in this country for secession. And no matter how you feel about secession, some of us think it's a good idea. Some of us think it's you know maybe not a perfect silver bullet, right? But no matter how you feel about it, if anyone says they haven't thought about it, I got to call BS. You have thought about it, right? You, maybe you've decided there's a better way to try to get what we want, and maybe you haven't decided that. But no matter how you feel about secession, it has crossed your mind. I was in Florida at the convention when we voted. I was actually already moved out of Florida, so I wasn't voting, but they voted. I was there. They voted to secede. I was there. And think about that, because the vote wasn't, we have the right to secede, right? The vote was, we vote to secede. Exactly. Yeah. How I actually, rich is that? Right after that vote, I auctioned off one of Top Slops, the shirts that was the United States with Florida kind of going away from it. It says, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I, I'm, there's a picture of me holding up the shirt on stage. I was at that convention. Yeah. I, I think I've only missed two Florida State conventions since 2017. I no, it's a, it's a beautiful that. thing. It's a beautiful thing. And one of the things that, that I found so interesting is that the convention gave themselves, gave itself a standing ovation. I, I don't remember other circumstances when a group of folks took a vote and were so proud of their own vote, right, <laughs> that they stood up and cheered. It was really remarkable. And there were some people that were really upset with that vote. Too, oh, sure. I mean, and I, and I understand that as well. And there are people who believe that there is some value, at least potentially, in preserving the federal government. I think most of us are a little skeptical of that right. proposition. Especially people who've worked with the federal government, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, well, and people who haven't worked for the federal government are skeptical uh, as well. Um, well, I think that's technically only AJ and I that haven't worked with the federal government. Yeah, well, government I was a federal room. contractor. I was just a maintenance guy once. It's not a big deal. Just everyone relax. <laughs> well, you were you were in the Navy. which Oh, yeah, I was in the Navy. The federal too. government. I, I try to block that part of my life out. You know what I mean? Well, that, we're proud of your service. Thanks. And I, I appreciate why you're today skeptical of what it was that the Navy may have wanted to manipulate it, you into doing oh, right yeah. yep. but nonetheless i'm i'm proud of your uh commitment to your community as you viewed it at the time yeah i joined right after 9-11 i talk about this on the show all the yeah. time, but I, I joined months after 9-11 because i was yeah. like you know a, a homeless 17 year old kid basically my mom and i didn't get along i was staying on a, a, a garage floor at a friend's house 
And uh, he woke me up real early in the morning one day. I was like, dude, check this out. And I looked. I'm like, what movie is this? He's like, this is really happening. And I'm like, no way. We're under attack. I got to go protect my family. And then I'm like, you know, a, less than a year later, I'm at war in Iraq going, why are we in fucking Iraq? Yeah. Of all the places. Yeah, connect the dots for me. Yeah, like, yeah. wait a minute. Iraq? I swear this was like, I thought this was like uh, Pakistani nationals via Saudi Arabia. They found the passports at the bottom of the rubble. I don't understand what's going on here. And, <laughs> and, and why am I at war with Iraq? But really that set me down the path of like, oh, I don't think we're the good guys anymore. Yeah, you know what it'll I mean? wake you up, won't yeah. it? Yeah. There's a great yeah. clip from Family Guy about that where they show up at like the 9-11 memorial. Peter's like, oh, so this is where the the ground zero. Peter's like, oh, this is where the first guy contracted AIDS. <laughs> Brian's like, no, this is this is where where the 9-11 attacks happened. And then they go like through Was this Family Guy? Yeah, this was That's Family right. Guy. I... And it, it was like, oh, so they were you know, they were from Iraq or whatever. All all of that. And I think he's I like, oh that. no, it was, it was Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. They go through all the Middle Eastern countries. Like, Peter concludes with, oh, so we should invade Iran. Exactly. <laughs> and that's how our federal government works, folks. And you know what sucks is like Seth MacFarlane's such a shit. Like he's such a, like he, he's, he, he was on, I was either Bill Maher or one of those shows. And, and they were like, the government lied to us about the vaccine and this and that and this and that. And he's like, he's like, no, they didn't. Can you show me any proof of that? They should be, people should be forced to take that. Da, da, da. And I'm like, dude, wow. you, you make family guy. Man, well, you're the guy who's like. I find that hard to believe. That I he swear, said I'll show that. you the clip. I'll okay, the clip. You, that you is something. That is a disappointment. Brian mm -hmm. is. Huh. Brian is a representation of Seth MacFarlane's like political views. That that is the character of Brian. Wow. I'll have to. That'll. Yeah. That's going to take some thinking, some deep thinking. Boy, that sets you back, doesn't it? Could you imagine Matt Stone or Trey Parker going on TV saying that they they feel like everyone should unimaginable, be unimaginable, unimaginable. Oh, Oh, I could see them doing it like as a joke, maybe. Yeah, ironic. As a troll, but you'd know it was <laughs> ironic. You'd know that they were being sarcastic. Yeah, there would be no doubt in your mind. Well, they would do something over the top, like pulling out a needle and being like, yeah, injecting themselves and being like, oh, straight in the vein. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true. That's now, true. Now, tell me the truth. When when you meet someone who says, no, I I think that the you know the mask mandates or vaccine requirement you know, something in this category. I, I think that that was a good idea. Don't you do a slight double take? Like you're kidding, right? Like you're being sarcastic, right? Before you realize, oops, no, this person really means it. It's I, I chilling. Them on holidays. Yeah. It's chilling because you know that they can't be persuaded with facts. You know that right. that person, you could tell them, you could tell them exactly what the truth is and they wouldn't believe it. They would still keep believing what they believe. Yeah, it's, 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 it's chilling. Well, and it, chilling is you guys remember yeah. being here in 2021 mm -hmm. when we moved here in August after you yeah. came on the show. But prior to that, even when I was doing the show in beginning of 2021 in the old house by myself, um, I, I said it repeatedly and I've said it in front of both of you guys. It's going to take at least a generation, at least a generation to get rid of the mental illnesses caused yep. by the COVID regime. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying because they took vaccines. I'm not saying because they put on the mask. I'm saying that all of that stuff combined ruined an entire generation of young people to the point of where I'm still seeing posts on Twitter of people saying, I don't, I haven't gone anywhere in three years. And I'm like, and these are like perfectly healthy people. And I'm like, I never stopped. I remember when, the, when it first started, I was running for chair. 
of the national party. I remember. And, and, it, and I was in Illinois. Uh, I was a keynote speaker in Illinois. In fact, my wife now went and met with me in Illinois. She drove up there or over there. Uh, to spend the weekend with me. I was a keynote speaker there. I ran a, a presidential debate. I actually, I was actually the uh, moderator for a presidential debate on my birthday, March 13th. Um, and one of the presidential candidates brought me a cake. It was very nice. Um, and uh, I flew home and California was shutting down. On the, that was on the spot, you know. And, uh, and I changed nothing. Nothing. Stands the, the, the birth of both my boys in hospitals and the time that I took my family to Disney World years ago we didn't put masks on we didn't stop going out to eat we didn't stop going places we kept traveling i i remember when i was flying around that campaign i would hop on planes they'd put me on a plane and i'd be one of five people on the plane like nobody was even flying anywhere yeah and, and at that time like even though i was i was like hey look this is all bullshit i'm telling i, I you can find my tweets from 2020 the beginning of 2020 april 2020 where i was calling this bullshit already Okay, I, I, I'm very public about this stuff. But even though I was calling it bullshit, at that time, I understood some of the response from normal people because they're being force-fed this propaganda. Mm -hmm. It's scary. You know, it's worse than Ebola, right? Like, that's scary. That's something that's going to be to the normal person who doesn't dig a little deeper and doesn't understand that the government's probably lying to us about shit. It's going to be scary. So I understood it. Now, almost four years later, literally, we're three months from the four-year mark, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, two months. Two months from the very close. Yeah, one month from the four-year mark. Four fucking years that these people haven't gone out of their homes. You can't fix that in a, a couple of years. No. Propaganda works. It does. Yeah, that's the that's the message. It's a real shame, and it works in ways that I think even the government wouldn't have anticipated. Like even if you were Mister Propaganda, right, and that was your shtick. Like I love propaganda. I want more. You would even. It's a great line. Uh, you would be surprised by how well this works. I mean, you'd have to say, "Wow, that that is something." Yeah, yeah I think you it's, know, for it's, it to take hold. The, like I this, think the mask pushing the masks was impressive. That yeah, the impressive. mask was impressive. But here's wow, the thing: I can't it's like it it's like you know, all governments learn from Nazi Germany, right? Like the ultimate propagandists, including mm -hmm. Israel, who's now the ultimate propagandist. But we won't get into that on the show. I don't, <laughs> not with Thermot here, at least. You know, I don't know how far he wants to go to that. But um, it's it's funny that the the people that the propaganda was used against the hardest now use the biggest propaganda in the world. Mm -hmm. I, I've always found that hilarious and. You know, obviously I have family from Israel and stuff, so I know, I know a little bit, but, uh, so yeah, it's All just, good. It, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. Where's your family in Israel? Uh, Tel Aviv. Nice. Yeah. So, nice. uh, it's have you been distant family? No, I haven't. You've got I've to. I've never gone. I know everyone says that, but you've got to, I'm now, not supporting, you're not in I'm big... not supporting them. Right maybe now. not right now. No, yeah. maybe not this week. <laughs> and it's tough for you to travel right now. Cause you've got kids and I, I have witnessed them. I've seen them. I've counted them. Yeah. Uh, you're you're not going anywhere too far uh, right now without driving. Yeah, without without <laughs> driving, and you can't drive there. But when the time uh, gets right for that part of the world and for you and your family, yeah. uh, I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic experience on any number of uh, yeah. Levels. As a Christian human uh, male, yeah. okay, and and now I'm I'm really trying to become an Orthodox Christian. I mean, I have to be accepted and all that stuff. But I, this is where this is where my faith is led is to Orthodox Christianity. Okay. Good for you. Thank you. Um, I definitely want to go to Jerusalem. I mean, that's where I would like to go, you know, uh, and I'm probably going to go worship and be spit at, which is kind of crazy. It will bring you quite literally to your knees. Right. And it's I understand a very moving experience. And I would love to go for that reason. 
Yeah. But I know that worshiping, you know, Jesus in the way that I do is frowned upon in Israel, which kind of pisses me off. Okay. I just want to put that out there. You'll be fine. You'll okay. be fine. I promise. And, and I, I know firsthand you'll be fine. So anyways, it's uh yeah, back to the the point. It is absolutely insane to think about the amount of mental damage that the last four years has done to an entire generation of people. Um, I, I used to say it would take one generation to fix this. I don't think that's the truth anymore. I don't think we've come to terms with the amount of damage that's been done. I really don't. Are, I think we're going to, we're seeing it in the schools, obviously. We are in a kids, mental but... health equivalent of the Black Plague. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that may be yikes. well said. I think I, it also needs to be said that there is a mental health aspect to the woke turn of our culture. Yeah, and I know that you know we want to keep this uh, political and, and not too. Oh, we talk uh, cultural. we talk culture a lot. Okay, yeah. well, thanks oh, yeah. thanks for giving me a little latitude do. here. Then, but I think it it needs to be said that there is a mental health aspect that is not working in our favor that is detrimental to our a young person's long term emotional well being. When you convince an entire generation that they a are victims, right? Absolutely, and and b therefore need therefore we need to do something about that like you your victimhood needs to be celebrated and we need to protect you yeah that is not good for you well do you do you know where i think a lot of that overprotectiveness really started because uh, jonathan Haidt goes over it in the coddling of the mind yes he does yes we're in 2013 which is the year i entered college mm -hmm. um the college landscape shifted dramatically whole basically my agent under was dramatically sheltered well there was a significant event that happened when i was about six years old where uh oh, people no longer felt that they were safe in the united states and yes. that was 9 11 oh. right and they right. Were, holy they, shit you were only six when that happened i was only six holy years old wow yeah yeah, I, I forget how I forget how young you are sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure amazing. Michael and I. Holy shit! Well, wow. shit! I mean, we were all young. I was only forty. Yeah, old, old, only you forty. <laughs> I'm younger than your kids. Yes, you are. By the way, I had yeah. I had uh, I had not yet graduated high school, but I was <laughs> I had very wow. close. Yeah. First grade. I was very close to finishing high yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids were seven and nine. Yeah, yeah. I was I was seventeen. Um, and, uh, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to let these people, uh, kill my family and friends. And so I went to war and then, uh, you know, like I said, I, Iraq, what the fuck are we doing in Iraq? This doesn't make any sense to me at all. But you know, to be fair, you were, you know, what, 17, 18 years old. That is not an inappropriate instinct right. mm -hmm. for a human male to have when you feel like your community is under attack. It is not your obligation as a 17 or 18. It's, it's too high an expectation for you to understand where the true threat is is coming from and you know what should we should do about that policy wise this is just another reason why the, the actions taken by your government is a real ethical problem it's not just a matter of killing a million iraqis by the way and put a pin in that because that is not a throwaway line right that hey, listen, is yeah. madeline albright said it was all worth it so <laughs> you know, fuck her. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about. My, that's Sorry. what I wanted to hear. Sorry. No, don't uh, apologize. Don't yeah. apologize. Don't apologize for that. that. We love that. But, but it also needs to be said that mm -hmm. you know, just because we only lost like 
9,000 guys in that war, right? Um, and I apologize for not knowing the number. Shame on me. But that that gets swept under the rug like it's some small number. Like that's not a huge emotional impact on an entire generation. That's, that is really profound, important stuff. That's, my, yeah. that's bigger than my entire hometown. That's I'm right. Lose, losing one person in my hometown was a, is a huge impact. Yeah, how much, what was the population of the tiny group? 6,000. Yeah, we, that's tiny. We, tiny shit. Uh, about three years ago, we lost a man named Jim Smith, uh, who was a state trooper, uh, one of the greatest men I've ever met. Our little town was 6,000. We had over 6,000 people show up to his funeral. Mm-hmm. The whole town? Was it the whole town? The whole town? People from all over the state showed up because he had just an exemplary. Yeah, I'll tell you, the the school shooting that just happened in Perry, Mm -hmm. Iowa, is going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened and will ever happen to Perry, Iowa. There's no doubt. There's a lot of. Let's hope it never happens again. Yeah, let's hope it never happens again. And and let's, you know, let's address the familiar situation and the radicalization of the trans activists in America by the news media. I mean, Really, there's so many issues. Like the crux of the issue is there's so many different things that got into this person's head that made them think that that you know school was their enemy. Yeah, right? it was a case of mental illness, just like most most of these are, right? And all you know, it happens, and then after it happens, we find all the clues that were already there that everyone just ignored or they were distracted and didn't see or whatever. Well, this person and, had been reported to the authorities, of course. Always, yeah. they always are. Always, all, all of their posts had already been archived because there were people that oh, suspicious that something like this might happen. Right. So yeah. that's that's how, like, within three hours of it happening, all of their social media posts, which a lot of them had been deleted, uh, but were they still had available them to the archived. Public. Yeah, yeah. And and it's so crazy. It's so crazy to me because like every time there's one of these shooters, one of these mass shooters. They were known by local and and national sometimes authorities. I mean FBI and even there was one that like that had worked. Was it James uh, Holmes from Colorado had worked directly with the CIA on some things in college? And I mean, Yikes. They, yeah, that's creepy. It's creepy. That's creepy. Yeah. The college guy, the one, the one that went into the house at no, night. No, the col- no, the the guy that shot up the Aurora, Colorado. Oh house. yeah, oh, no, that's yeah, creepy yeah, yeah. too. You brought up another creepy story. Yeah, that's yeah. a very creepy that's one. That's creepy. Oh, the the guy that went that drove all the way across the country and yeah, that the criminology. He's a criminology student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then of course the first headline was libertarian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> I remember that. we talked about it on the yeah show. we talked about it on the show because yeah. it's like it's like when else. Do they bring up the political affiliation of a murderer, dude? When, right? Yeah. Like but a Democrat went and shot up yeah. some grocery store. Yeah, like like Democrat. Okay, well, every shooting in Chicago has been done by a Democrat. Okay, but here's the thing: it's like it's like that was the headline news. Libertarian, registered libertarian, st- found or you know uh, charged yeah. with murdering these these kids. Well, in it the gives South. us the opportunity to say there are several libertarians that we know who haven't shot up grocery stores. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. important. Yeah. Well, they there did this, are dozens of us. They did the same <laughs> thing. There was this guy in Virginia, right, that ran as uh, for Congress as a libertarian. Nathan, I'm not going to remember his last name. You you might know this story being in Virginia. You yeah. pro- there's a lot of people that do in Virginia, but he was like a like a devout, like out pedophile, out and out pedophile, and uh, talked about how women were just slaves and all this stuff, just crazy shit. And he's uh, he was an actual KKK guy and all this stuff. Yikes! And, yeah, and he he had been the 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 Libertarian Party of Virginia actually removed him from their membership. Uh, he was a lifetime member of the National Party, 
And in 2018, yeah. my good friend Joe, uh, from the floor of the National Convention, called to revoke his uh, his lifetime membership. And Nick Sarwar sure. fought against it. Fought against wow. Uh, membership. Of course. Very famously. I mean, it's on video and all this shit, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and so uh, he ends up like kidnapping a little girl and going across the country. He died in prison. Shucks. Um, anyways, yeah. so, but every headline about this guy when that stuff started happening, when he kidnapped Libertarian. Girl, libertarian congressional candidate. It's like, dude, the, the party removed him yeah. from their state party. Right. Okay. They literally were like, no, fuck you. And you're still running this headline. That's it's the only time they ever use your political affiliation as a headline in the news mm-hmm. is when it's a you know a, a weird fringe third party, right? Well, you know, it's interesting. I was at one of my first uh, Virginia conventions uh, a couple years back when uh, the one before we had to reconstitute ourselves. Oh, sure. Speaking yep. of weird stories, and um, there was a, a little bit of a discussion about this this point about removing someone, and I'm like, <laughs> you know. Having just moved from out of the state, I'm like, well, you know, what's the big deal? Like, why are we, why are we, why are we talking about this? This is never going to happen. This is never going to come up. Like, oh. why are you people so worried about this? It's come up. Yeah, yeah. And, and someone had to pull me aside and say, uh, first of all, shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me help you stop embarrassing yourself. Yeah, physically removed for sure. Um, and my, my friend, uh, Tyler Broughton from California is in the chat and he keeps saying, this is a great conversation, but I'm interested to see where you guys disagree. Let's have a friendly debate. Whip it out and see who is more anarchist. Um, <laughs> I think, I think at the end of the day, I would be more anarchist than you. I believe that, but that's just because I suspect I'm, that's, yeah, I, I suspect that's true. I'm, I'm for I don't the know that full for abolition sure. of all government. I mean, I, I, well, that's okay. That's definitional. Yeah. I know that's where I go. I mean, you can't go any uh, and I, further and than that. Larry, who's been a mentor to me. Larry Sharp has been an absolute mentor to me. Yes. Um, you know, when I first came in 2017 and started running for chairman, Larry really took me under his wing and said, okay, let me teach you a little bit about politics because you're a little rough around the edges. And I'm still a little rough around the edges. I think that's part of my sure. lore. I, I do. And in um, fairness, uh, most of the world is rough compared to Larry. Larry's very smooth. Yeah, he's, very smooth. He's a very sophisticated yeah. guy. Yeah. And he's the one who taught me, like when you're giving a speech, I always have three things so that you can come back to the, the, the three things. And yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. really helped me out. I mean, more than Toastmasters, more than anything else, he helped me out a lot. Um, but, um, Larry always told me, cause Larry's not a, an anarchist per se, but he will tell you that anarchy is our North star. That's the libertarian North star. That's the direction we should be heading in. Even if you don't agree that full anarchy, that's the, the place we should be heading. Mm-hmm. And I agree mm-hmm. with them. I, you know, and I agree. I think yeah. that is the North star. Uh, I think that w- where sometimes I differ is a matter of semantics. So let me, let me try this out because I don't disagree with anything that you just said. I do think that people have a right, individuals, they have a right to come together and make decisions together regarding whether it's to hold an asset uh, or make rules about property, homeowners, for example, as much as I hate homeowners. Associations. Anyone who says anything nice about a homeowners association, we're going to have to fight in the hallway, right? But as much as as we hate that, uh, it's not up to us to say you're not allowed to have a homeowners association, right? Right. right. I mean, I would I would not want one. <laughs> have you have you read Hoppe? Have yeah. you read any? So I mean, yeah. you're, we're talking essentially covenant communities, which isn't anti-anarchist per se. Oh, so. 
You said it's not anti-anarchist. It's not anti-anarchist. Yeah. I mean, to, well, to say to say we want covenant communities where we have a small, tight-knit community and we say what goes on in our community is right. not really. I mean, you could call it collectivist and that's fine. But it's, you right. know, as long as it's the absence of some giant centralized apparatus okay, nationwide, I, right? And, and this is my point. Is it, it may be only a matter of semantics, but whenever you have a group of people, even, you know, two people, I suppose, definitionally, as granular as possible. But anytime you have a group of people come together and they have to make a decision about something that affects all of them, that is definitionally something that we would call public, right? I mean, there is politics involved. There is a group that has to make a decision and people have a right to, to pursue that. We all believe that those decisions need to be made as local level as possible, as right. granular as possible. And so I don't think there's any disagreement there. And, you know, do groups have a right to come together and, and, and create these uh, structures? They do. I just think that one of the things that we need to teach people is that while you may have the right to come together and make collectivist decisions, it's a really bad idea. Right. Yeah, that's good. I don't think, I don't think Mike and I disagree on a whole lot. I mean, I, I know that, you know, the, the Federal Reserve being the blight on humanity that it is is very important to Mike, just like I do. I mean, it's one of the, the most important things we can talk about. I think we got him on camera saying that he would commit to, uh, you know, helping the nuclear family and, and not the destruction of it subsidized by the federal government. I, I mean, uh, there's not a lot that we disagree on. There really isn't. Um, and I've found that through several debates now. Um, and I think, you know, I yeah. think the only time we've ever gotten up in arms. And then I did, I did say the one thing that I, I falter from you on is that I don't think most people have a libertarian streak. And, and this may be a matter, a matter of semantics, semantics too. Yeah. Let me, let me pursue that and give you a chance to uh, agree with me if you should choose to do so. Um, nobody, well, nobody is an exaggeration. 98% of America would not call it a libertarian, right? Most people don't know how to spell libertarianism. They yeah. don't know there's a libertarian Ryan certainly party. doesn't. Anyway, That's true. I'm well, most no, people... I just don't know how to spell lectern. Fucked <laughs> <I can spell laughs> up the word lectern, dude, of all the words. Anyways. I don't think most people could spell liberty, you know, much less libertarian, much less know there's a libertarian party. And those people who do know that there's a libertarian party probably don't have much good to say about it because they have a complete misperception. One of the things that I learned running for local office a couple years ago is that the value of the libertarian brand is is really close to zero. And it's my sister who often tells me, no, 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 no. It's negative. Right. In a lot of places in the United States, you can get more votes running as an independent than running as a libertarian because people have a negative perception of it. That's a really weird thing. My point is that people, I think... Most people, and I, I don't have data on this, right? Right. <laughs> but hey, we pull stats out of our asses on the show. Yeah, we, we all pull the numbers time, <laughs> exactly. So, so let me let me pursue that. I think most people in the United States like the idea of limited government as a construct. They just love it when the government helps them, right? right? That's it's, it. It's not so much a philosophy; it's a selfishness. And, and, and that's a little bit of a, a different animal. I think most people like the idea of a pluralistic democracy. I think people like the idea that the government does, shove, does not shove things down your throat. I think people naturally like that. I think the people naturally uh, repel against uh, 
people bossing you around, for example. I think that a lot of libertarian philosophy naturally appeals to people, right. but they don't identify it that way. But I think that if you were to tell people, you know, our government has gone off the rails regarding uh, military interventionism, I think a lot of people would say, you're damned right. I think you're damned right. And then you'd say, well, that's what libertarianism is. And they'd say, what? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Let's go back and talk about something I understand. And that is that war sucks. I want to I want to uh, talk about I want to go back to the Gary Johnson thing. I know you probably are you done with that. But... I, I do kind of want to disagree with you. Oh, okay, here we on go. One thing there. So you you said people don't you're going to call me Josh's throw pillow show shows about to get real gay. No. <laughs> shows about to get real gay, buddy. You, you said most people don't want the government bossing them around, and I think I think that's right, but I don't think they want there to not be a government to boss people around. Yeah, I think I you're think probably they right. Just want to be the ones bossing people around. I think that's the. Majority yeah, yeah, yeah. you may be quite right about that. And again, we don't have data on that, right? I, I think you may be right about that, and that's why I limit it to a libertarian streak. <laughs> I don't say yeah. most people are libertarians, but I yeah. think that most I, people have an, an element in them. You might have to look hard to find it, but I think most people have something in them that we can appeal to. Here we go. You done? Yeah, the, I think no, the flips, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. I think the flip side of that, and this is the, the minority vote axe throwing at you, is I learned during COVID lockdowns that there's about 30% of us that would rat us out. Yeah, yeah, there's 30. They're there's susceptible to authoritarianism, and they may not like it, but they have a come. They have become uh, used to it. So, Malice, Michael Malice makes a great point on this: that there, there are a bunch of low status people that can only compete on how subservient they. Always low. Yeah. Well, and, and and I think we've we've talked about this on the show too a lot. Is that the COVID thing gave. Uh, you know, probably hundred, maybe millions of people, uh, an identity that didn't have an identity. Yeah. And so like, that's probably one of the biggest issues is that this is their whole identity now. And right? victimhood generally. Yes. Yeah. Victim. Yeah. Victimhood in general gives people that are low status and don't have, uh, um, uh, identity. Mm -hmm. It gives them an identity. They have a stick they're like, now. They're like, well, now I'm part of the in group. Yeah. I'm part of this in group and this is my group and I'm going to defend them to the death. Even if they're all pedophiles that are running our government. Right. Like, and that's true. Like you're right here in time right now in history, paying taxes to pedophiles. How's that feel? I hate it. I fucking hate it. And the other thing it does, it allows them to be horrible people on the premise that they believe that they're being good people by being there you go. That is well said. There you go. Uh, that, yeah. that's, that's from yeah. Aldous Huxley, who calls it the most delicious uh, moral treat. Yeah, bringing up heathens on the show. Now, now yep. that you said that, let me, let me try another line on you that I have never uttered, but, but I'm interested in your feedback on it. Might it also be true? Uh, maybe you don't agree with me that most Americans have a libertarian streak, but you at least get my point. Might it also be true that most Americans have an authoritarian streak? Yes. Is it possible that most Americans have a little bit of each? And, and there's a knife's edge there that most people could go either way. And that part of your job, part of my job, part of his job, part is yeah, to save AJ. people from themselves. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if I agree with you just because history would show that the vast majority of societies have been authoritarian. 
and it's always that has always been the dominant trait. Yeah. So I would say people are more often lean authoritarian because almost every society in history has been one that's authoritarian. And every well, other, there's been like 300 years of Scotland where it was pretty libertarian. Yep. And then like a hundred years of America, maybe. And that's less way less than a hundred years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we went uh, off the rails. Uh, true. If you counted it by societies, right? There are very, very few societies that you would not call authoritarian, depending on where you drew the line. But in terms of the percentage of population, it doesn't take a great deal of a percentage of a population to become authoritarian. You know, the, the, the ruling class, the, popu the, the, the authoritarian class, the, the political class that rules our nation does not represent more than 50% of the population now, it may be 50% of the population that loves it, which is your point, right? That's an exaggeration. I didn't mean to put all that on you, but yeah. um, it, it may be that a lot of people uh, support that, but it doesn't take a large number of people to come up with a government that really sucks. And I think that that's part of the problem, right? Is you could have 50% uh, of the population supports it and 5% of it loves it and executes on it and you've got an authoritarian society. Mike, yep. uh, just to interject here for a second, uh, why is it that every government turns into a bunch of satanic pedophiles and what will you do when the Nephilims return? When... <laughs> <laughs> When they return? Yeah, when the Nephilims return. Well, they're here now. But they're here now. Here. I was going to say. Uh, what are you going to do when you're face-to-face -face with the Nephilims, Mike? Uh, I think, uh, well, first of all, I hope you'll be by my side. Um, you know it. But I think you I think you got to go violent. <laughs> yeah, very violent. Yeah. I think you got to go yeah. violent. You can't yeah. hold back that. Yeah, when the, when, the, when the holy water doesn't work, the violence starts for there sure. Are, there are plenty of circumstances in which violence is the ethical choice. Yes, I agree. And that's... Uh, Chase brought that up in the debate that we had a debate earlier for the Iowa caucus for Libertarian Party. Yep. Myself, Chase, Oliver, uh, Lars, Lars. Mapstead, and of course, Mike Tremont. And Chase brought this up and he actually said, you know, violence is never the answer. That's what he said. It's not true. And it's just, I mean, it is true. Not. He said that, but it's not true that it's never yeah. the answer. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's very frequently, actually, the answer when you're being aggressed upon. It's like the, the one way that to reason with violent people is through violence. Unfortunately, it's unfortunate that that's the way it is. And maybe when we go to heaven, we'll learn a, a society that has no, uh, a, a world that has no violence. And that's, that's, you know, the ultimate faith, right? Um, but, or maybe heaven is where I finally get to punch that guy in the face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe, I don't all know. Right. Yeah, dude, yeah wait and see how that plays out. It's not for me to say. Not for me to say. But but uh, yeah, I just you know the the nephilims. It, we we actually had nephilim trending uh, two weeks ago on Twitter. <laughs> if you're not familiar, uh, look up nephilim giants and. Um, yep. yeah, but, I've, I've gone on my artistic rant about Nephilim. Yeah, we and we've had we had uh, homeboy from the lore lodge on and talk yeah. about nephilims, and of course the top is top lobster about. Oh, I'm impressed. Yeah, and uh, and we we actually, um, you know, we had Nephilim trending. It was number one trending on Twitter uh, when the Miami stuff happened recently. Where yeah, there was we, like we thought that was Nephilims, but uh, we know what that really was, guys. Right? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, to your point, one of the things that I worry about is is uh, l let me let me back up to an observation about bullying. You know, one of the things that we have learned about bullying over the years. Uh, and I've had some exposure to this, unfortunately, but one of the things that we know about bullies is they really only respond to force. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean violence, but 
you, you, you can't let you, you can't give too many inches to bullies. They'll take feet and yards, right? And and we know this, whether it's at an individual level, whether it's a societal level, or whether it's a government. You get my point. One of the things I worry about is that at some point, I don't. It, you can imagine a scenario in which we don't know what to do about our government anymore. And I think that we're reaching that sooner rather than later, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, we yeah. do. We're the most powerful empire in the history of the world, and it's not remotely close. We had... would be able to fight every other empire and my, in, the, agreed. in the world and destroy them all. Uh, uh, I agree 100%. And my point is that it's actually getting worse rather than better. And, and the options for slowing it down, much less stopping it, much less reversing it, are becoming more and more attenuated from even our imagination, much less our capabilities. And I worry that in the next, uh, I would say, decade or two, right? And maybe that sounds a little optimistic that we have that long before there is some sense of revolution in the United States that is not political, right? That is relatively chaotic, relatively violent, that is met with increased oppression, martial law, for example, from the federal government or state governments in the United States, for that matter, especially if you're in California. And I worry that that leads to a downward spiral, you know, a real uh, death cycle for uh, society in the United States. AJ's, oh, AJ's getting the chubby right now, for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets worse. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, we all have children in this room. We don't want a civil war. And I, I think that's children in this room. That's what the, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Mike's going to be on the front lines. I mean, Ryan, Ryan is our child. So, all right. We Michael run point children in the room. Uh, but you know, we, I think there's a, there's a narrative on the political left that says the right is trying to foment civil war and that we want to accelerate it. And it's, it's a, um, they're, they're not seeing that clearly. We don't want that, but not being prepared to do that puts us in exactly the same boat. Right. Not being able to fight, you know, if you can tell the, the, the American government, hey man, I'm not going to follow your rules, but you have nothing to back it up, that doesn't mean anything. The scariest people on earth are the people that are uh, capable of extreme violence, but are yes. not committing extreme violence. They're scary people in the world. There's a, there's a, we've had this cover. We actually have a really good clip from the show where we had the come to Jesus talk with Ryan about yes. this exact situation where I was yes. like, when is enough enough? Yeah. And he's like, well, I, uh, no, we, well, I guess we're past that point. And I'm like, yeah, we're yeah. past that point. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're past that point. It's just not reasonable to be able to fight back sure because it it's the sure most it powerful sure empire in the history of the it world. Is, right. It is absolutely reasonable. And I've talked about it a lot on the show as well that we, Fighting back does not necessarily mean that we have to commit violence yeah. against the government. This is okay? correct. It's fighting back is Bitcoin. Fighting back is printing your own weapons. Fighting back is taking your family and opting them out of the federal government system as much as possible. As much as possible. Because raising every, kids with values. Raising kids your, with values. Like uh, values. Strong family. Strong faith is uh, something that's with, very With yeah. values and without schools. Yeah. Raise, raising yeah. kids with strong values that lead to them having kids. Yes. That's going... That's going to be the dominant culture 50 to 100 years from now. Every child that you are able to uh, 
um, instill with a good sense of uh, individualism and and self-reliance is one kid in this country that will no longer rely on the government and will see that they're unneeded. And so like, that's the, that's the civil war. I talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. That's the civil war. It's, it's, it's making humans that don't need the federal government anymore and don't for all intents and purposes, intents and purposes also don't need the state government. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, like that's the civil war. It doesn't have to be violence. We talk, it's always, it always comes back to this conversation of violence and like, oh, you can't take out the federal government with your AK-47s. And like, <laughs> first of all, laughs in, in, in Vietnamese rice, rice farmer, right? Or, or, or Afghan uh, goat herder, right? But, but seriously, the truth of the matter is, is that we, we don't have to fight. We just have to opt out, man. And that's what I, you know, that's what my campaign is really about. It's like, just nullify the whole thing through these avenues, right? Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm probably one of the only libertarian candidates that says, like, probably not going to win the presidency, guys. I want you to know that. But we do have this platform to use and we should use it and we should have somebody who's going to use it the right way. And, you know, um, going back, I want I keep wanting to go back to this. First of all, we got a, a, a two dollar super chat from my my 16, 69,420th kid. <laughs> uh, Mike, are you are you pro at hunting when are you pro hunting Windusi? Oh, pro hunting Windusi. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, uh, I am pro you having the right to do so. You and know what Windusi is. I know <laughs> that you know what Windusi is. <laughs> Windigo pussy, dude. Come on. And, yeah, and that's all that I need to know. Yeah. I do not need to know that you're confident in my understanding of Wendusi. I just need to be confident in your yeah. understanding. Okay, so so that was a fun little break, but but, but yeah. back to the Gary Johnson thing, and and I really do want to I do want to get in this because it's important okay. to me. It's a, it's important to me because it's a defense of Mike Termont. Okay, I appreciate okay. that. All right, so Gary Johnson. So I was around for Gary Johnson's campaign, right? It was like 2016, not the 2012 campaign. I I didn't know much about Gary Johnson, but I did watch him in 2012. Yeah, in 2016, I. Uh, Signed up for the Libertarian Party. Well, in 2015, I signed up for the Libertarian Party, and I I campaigned for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, who yeah. I absolutely hate. I didn't know that much about Bill Weld back then. Yeah, okay? and this is why I don't like the. I actually don't like the comparison of, of Gary Johnson to Mike Trabat. Uh, first of all, Gary Johnson's 2012 campaign night and day compared to his 2016. Campaign. He was smart. He was intelligent. He wasn't high at every campaign stop in 2012. He actually looked well in the media. He, t he spoke yeah. well. 2016 was a poor man's version well, of 2012. And there's a reason. There's a reason for this. And and not a lot of people have listened to this, but Tom Woods put out an episode with Judd Weiss. It's called The Weiss Report. There's actually a title on there. It's several years ago now. Judd Weiss was running as McAfee's vice president. They were trying to get, and they for, really, they were very close to getting the nomination at one point. So was Austin Peterson. There was a, a point where all yeah, three of Yeah, we remember. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so Gary Johnson got the nomination, ran for president in 2016 to pay Ron Nielsen a sum of a million dollars for helping him start a business. Gary Johnson was very, very high throughout the entire campaign. And I don't just mean like he was smoking a little pot. He looked like Towley from South Park at every campaign <laughs> stop. There was yeah. a, there's actually, a, there's actually a video of Gary Johnson showing up, uh, to endorse Larry Sharp for governor in, in uh, New York. And he's like, 
this is Larry Sharp, and you should vote for him for governor. And I'm like, that's Towley from South Park. I mean, he's are you, so are you implying it was something more than cannabis? So, well, no, he was high. He was okay. more than a little. Okay. Yeah, uh, more than a little. Okay, than a little. just a massive, copious yeah. amounts it was of cannabis. Copious amounts okay. of cannabis, and it was because Fair he enough. was not a serious candidate. He was only running to raise money to pay his campaign manager a million dollars, and that's been proven by Judd Weiss, who put out this whole report on this stuff. Right? Gotcha. I've watched Hermont at several campaign events. I've watched how he speaks. He's intelligent. He knows the, he knows the stuff that he's talking and, about. And and significantly less cannabis. Significantly, <laughs> significantly less. Stone at campaign events. In fact, he turned down a beer or a glass of wine even here at my house. Yeah. Um, and so I've watched him. He's intelligent. He knows what he's talking about. He knows a lot about the, how the federal government works. He's worked around those types before. Um, that comparison to Gary Johnson, maybe you kind of look a little bit like him. Well, I think that's it, what I'll have to that was uh, what defer I said. to your yeah. opinion on that. I, I don't really know. But it is important <laughs> uh, because I know that you agree with this wholeheartedly. If your campaign shtick is, I'm socially liberal like a Democrat and fiscally conservative like a Republican. Uh, gay. It, well, uh, first that of just all, means gay. You, have, <laughs> you have failed marketing 101. You know, you have just given people absolutely... No reason to support you. You've given people two reasons to dislike you, right? You could dislike one half or dislike the other. And the other thing that needs to be pointed out, and he should have known this, is that he was lying to people. Sure. You know, by 2016, Democrats were in no serious fashion Democ uh, socially liberal anymore. And fiscal conservative Republicans in 2016, they were already gone. Yeah, had long gone. Yeah, they had yeah. long gone. So, you know, he's saying something that doesn't hold any water. And that fails to differentiate. You know, my big thing, what I spend probably too much time talking about, is that I believe that we need to completely differentiate from the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. You can leave no doubt that we are a completely separate choice. Yep. I agree with you. And I, I've been saying that since I started running for chair in 2018. I said, we, how can we be a successful third party? If we're just the diet version of one of the two other parties, why right. would you join a party that is a diet version of a successful party? Why? Nobody's wanting, nobody wants to join that. You have to set yourself so far apart that people are like, hey, this party is not like the other two parties and they stand for principles and that's important. And it, it yeah. was like, you know, this was my big fight with Nick Sarwark in 2018 when I ran against Nick Sarwark in 2018 as just a regular blue collar guy that nobody knew. And I took 11 and a half percent of the vote from a two term, thir three term incumbent trial lawyer who had been a DA or not a DA, uh, uh, a public pretender oh um, defender defender yeah but i say pretender <laughs> when it comes to nick sarwar we gotcha i really don't like nick sarwar i could i could do a whole show on nick sarwar right now <laughs> oh, yeah. but we have and we have yeah we have and we have yeah and but but so um so you know that was my big gripe with sarwar because he's like you know he's a big bill weld guy and he wanted bill weld to run for president in 26 uh 2020 and he didn't he didn't want to stand apart he wanted us to okay well maybe we can cut a little bit of uh, you know, uh, social security, maybe we can cut a little bit of taxes and we can do the flat tax or the fair tax and this and that. It's like, dude, nobody cares. Nobody is listening to you going being light bulb. That's what we need. Nobody, zero people. And he's like, well, we grew the party more than anybody. And we got the most votes. How many of those votes translated into new party members? Very yeah. little. And he was running, Gary Johnson was running against two of 
largely the most unliked presidential candidates at in the my time. lifetime. Yeah, yeah in my, mm-hmm. it's, at the time. Correct. Now the now it's team sport, right? But back then it was like <laughs> Trump and Hillary. People were like, "Oh God, Hillary!" And the other yeah. half was like, "That's Trump!" Oh my God, I've been watching him on R- Lifestyles. Rich. That Davis. was a missed He's, opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge missed we, opportunity. We have a decent candidate that year, and. We had the a couple. Opportunity of them. was to get up to ten percent easily. We had a couple of really good candidates. We had first we had McAfee, who yep. you know was absolutely insane, but at the same time was you know <laughs> R.I.P. question mark yeah, yeah, a question mark exactly right. uh, set way far apart from any of the old parties. We had Austin Peterson, who was very good on a lot of issues and a great speaker. And I don't agree. Austin's with Austin's smart. Yeah, Austin's very smart. Austin's very smart guy. Austin's been a good friend of mine for a long time, and and I know that he's at odds with libertarians right now over his comments about Israel and stuff like that. And I and I disagree with him. Big time disagree with him. I think he's wrong. We've we've disagreed on World War II and Hiroshima and all kinds of things about war. Okay, um, but man, is he a great speaker? And he he know he he built the 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 troll ninjas, the Austin Peterson Freedom Ninja Army. I mean, he really if he had brought more delegates to that, I think he would have got more votes than Gary Johnson did. I believe that. I do believe that about Austin Peterson. He's he's a good guy. Regarding yeah. McAfee, I think one of the things that needs to be said is that. Gary Johnson won because he brought a lot of credibility. They also, well, they also had a lot of money and they bust, yep. they bust in delegates. Yep. Him and Bill And Will. that's weird. Yep. That's weird. I, I have a, a little bit of a problem with that. That's a, that's a weird thing. Remember that Gary did get uh, up to double digits in a couple of polls. Oh, sure. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. And, and that was really interesting. And it just, it shows what a missed opportunity it was because here's a guy that did have a lot of credibility. Right. He had been around the block. I mean, two term governor and a two term yeah. governor. Come on. If his messaging hadn't sucked. Right. Think about the possibility. First of all, it wouldn't have, his campaign wouldn't have imploded. My argument when he said, what's if his messaging hadn't sucked, he would have hung on to a lot of those people. And they would have to Josh's point. They would have become members of the Aryan party, I believe. Yeah, they would have they would have stuck around and and there were a lot. I, so so they, he actually grew the party by like a third or something like that. Right. And those people stuck around till the meat cocks came in and they're all gone now. All of them. I mean, Andy Craig and all those guys, Nick Sarwark, mm-hmm. even at one point. I mean, all these guys left the party. Yeah. But like they all were so socially, not even just socially left. They were just like you're watching them now actually like stump for democratic policies yeah. right now. And it's like this was the whole problem to begin with. It's mm-hmm. like you guys fought and fought and fought us telling us you're the real libertarians and we're all the right wing authoritarians yeah that chicken went home to roost yeah went and then, far away from here to roost yeah and then and then five minutes after you leave the party you're sitting there advocating for the same policies that we told you you were advocating for before openly you know what i mean it's just absolutely insane to me oh this is a good one dave uh dave versus goliath dave casey gave us a five dollar super chat that's very cool he did um Oh, well, the libertarian extremist gave us $2 one said, I can make bread from pine trees. Bring it, feds. Smart. He, he's an Appalachian guy. Those yeah. guys are a different. I love guy. him. Yeah, they're yeah. different. They're a different breed. That's why I tell people when the shit hits the fan, I'm taking my family and bugging out to Appalachia stand for yep. sure. By um, the way, is that just some metaphorical throwaway line? I really want to know how to do that. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> hey, listen, I think he's in Virginia or West Virginia. I mean, you, you probably. Hey, you come on by. Yeah. We'll do pancakes. Um, Dave says a question for both candidates. Who better represents your values? Chase Oliver or Vivek Ramaswamy? Hold on. I, first of all, I got to figure out a way to get both those guys in my brain at the same time <laughs> yeah. in a way that I'll be able wow. to extract them soon. Uh, I have to be uh, honest. Um, I'm going to go with Chase. And the reason I say that is uh, 
number one, I've gotten to know Chase a little bit. And, and uh, however you may feel about Chase on any other level, I think that Chase is telling the truth about his libertarianism, to be fair. Not so, Vivek Ramaswamy. I really do that, uh, believe that mm-hmm. Vivek is putting together, uh, you know, he's cobbling together pieces of philosophy here and philosophy there to make himself palatable to Trumpers and differentiate himself uh, from, from everybody else in that party. I, I don't believe that he is truly a libertarian yeah. at heart. I think that uh, he would go to war over anything that would get him into the White House. Sure. And, and so I have a similar answer, but not so much. So here's the thing. Um, I believe, like you, I believe that Chase is 100% honest. I know Chase yep. personally. I've known Chase personally for many, many years. I've had dinner with Chase. I've hung yep. out with Chase. We've been to events together. He's, I believe him wholeheartedly when he tells me he wants to do these things. I yep. do. I, don't, I also don't believe that Vivek Ramaswamy believes these things. I don't, I I think there's a lot that he's just saying because he's the, essentially the rights Obama, in my opinion, that's what he is. The the, rights Obama. I got to let that one sink in. Yeah. He's the, he's a Republican Obama. He's the, he's the Mm. hope and change. Did did that just spin your neck around? A little bit. Thinking about that one. He's the Republican, he's the Republican Obama. And I do believe that, but I'll tell you this, but but not one who's going to win though. Yeah. The things. So, so chase chases anti-war stance is, Dead on. I love it to death, dude. He's I 100% agree with him wholeheartedly on his anti-war stuff. I believe that he means it. I believe that he left the left because of their war stances. Um, and I appreciate that about Chase. I really do. And, and the more he can talk about it publicly, the better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a lot of things that I fundamentally disagree with Chase on. Uh, his his uh, shoulder shrug and hand wave of the trans kids stuff. Um, never fully answering those questions when brought up, um, that kind of stuff where, oh, it needs to be left up to the family. I disagree. I think that doctors who uh, perform that kind of stuff on children and push children to have these life-altering uh, transitions um, should be held accountable in the same way that we would hold anybody else who's grooming and trafficking children accountable. So that's a fundamental like difference that makes it very hard for me to say I would vote for change. So I w- Hold on, I'm not done. This is a question for me first. Wait, Ryan. for you. You're not a candidate. (laughs) Okay, let me finish my debate here. Okay. Um, If the stuff that Vivek is saying is true, minus the war with Mexico stuff, the stuff about the Secretary of State. That's a big one. That's a big one for me. It's a very big one. That's a big one for me. Yes. Um, Then yes, I would say that his views represent my views more because he is so big on getting rid of all of these bureaucratic institutions that that harm every community around the country but i don't believe him i don't believe him you know why one of the one of the reasons i don't believe him besides just watching him one of the reasons i don't believe him is because he he likes to claim he's an america firster right and make no mistake in republican circles that means he's not a free trader he's not fundamentally a pro-market guy i have a question for you mike there's a poster on the wall over there, right? To your Am I right. allowed to look at it? Yeah, of course. Who's your favorite on the list there? Um, you gotta go with Carl. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's yeah. that's one that, that now, he he goes way back. Yeah, way back. Right. He yeah. goes way, yeah. way, way, way back. One of the things I like about Menger is he came up with some fundamental stuff about how markets work. 
fundamental stuff about how he saw supply and really basic concepts concepts of making decisions on the margin how supply and demand works and how it's aggregated stuff like this that clearly laid the foundation for economic thought sure. forever after that it was really a, a turning point and and he doesn't get the credit he deserves no. when it comes to especially the austrians because it's it's all about mises and it's all about rothbard and it's all right. about henry hazlitt and it's all about uh uh f.a hayek even they talk a lot about who is right. not my favorite but um and well, I, I, and Menger I, I'm, is i'm a hayek guy because one of the things that i like about any school of thought uh is the idea that that you last that you you have an impact right. that your students staying right, power staying power yep. that your students uh are influential and I think that Hayek's influence on, for example, Milton Friedman and the rest of the University of Chicago mattered, sure. you know, mattered. And, and I respect that. It's one of the reasons why I'm a big Milton Friedman fan is because you look at that guy's students, uh, most especially uh, my favorite, the most important economist in the world, Thomas Sowell, a student of Milton Friedman. That says a lot about Friedman. Would you say Sowell is a, is a, uh, a Chicago economics yeah. guy? Full, full bore? Uh, yeah. Cause I know yeah. he, sometimes he, he, he strikes me as a little, a little Austrian, but he, he kind of goes well, back and forth. I, I don't know that you need to draw such a big line between those two sure. because Chicago is really a descendant of Austrian. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think the Austrian so brilliant is that staying power, you know, really laying the foundation for everything that we understand today that really does work about libertarianism. And I do believe that once the Fed is ended, and I don't know exactly what that end looks like, I don't know if it's ripping it out root and branch the way you and I want to, yes. or if it means, you know, we have to wait two dozen years as it peters out. That would be a shame, but I could imagine that happening. But someday, one way or another, Central banking will be very, very different than it is today. And I wonder whether the Austrians will get their due when that, when that comes. I sure hope so. They I sure hope it. so. They deserve it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, when I'm talking, and I am not nearly as versed. I've read so much on economics, but nearly as versed in economics as you are. Um, but, you know, it took, me, it took me three and a half reads to get through uh, human action. It's, it's hard. It's, well, hard it's old. It's fucking hard read. You know, it was written for a different day and age. Yeah. And, you know, we understand so much more about economics today than, than we did then. Well, the first, like, economics book I read was Wealth of Nations. And nice. I was, and I was like, this is it. This is the shit, right? And then I got into the Austrians, and I'm like, oh, the Wealth of Nations sucks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, what the fucking invisible hand? What the fuck is this guy talking about? No, I, 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 it's a great book, and it really helped solidify my foundation. And, of course, Henry Hazlitt's Economics and Wellness and Changed My Life. And, yeah. uh, and then the Libertarian Manifesto for a New Liberty really radicalized me to a point of no return. I mean, that was really the book and it's, you know, still up there and it's still one of the best books I've ever read, even though there's, there is stuff in, in, in the libertarian manifesto that I don't agree with. There is I, occasionally yep, here and there, but I read that um, a couple months ago. It's a, it's a, it's parts where I'm like, Oh, you're, huh? you're, you're a fucking idiot on this. Rothbard was, he was right about a lot. Um, and I think that Hoppe has taken hit what Rothbard did and, and taken it to its dream logical conclusion on a lot of things and that's the way it's supposed to work that. right yeah you know we're supposed to be advancing and and honing and getting better we're not supposed to be just solidifying everything that some previous guy said 
right? That's not advancement. And so uh, sometimes I fear holding these guys to too high a standard, you know, uh, just breaking ground. And, you know, Hayek, you know, the stuff that he was saying, a lot of that was fresh. You know, the whole idea that that government control over your life is both an efficiency problem and an ethical problem. You know, it's easy for us to say that today. You know, you go back a hundred years ago, that stuff's like, bam. Yeah. <laughs> radical. Well, you it's know, a, radical. it's a, bam. I don't know. The great author, uh, 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 Dave Benner, Dave Benner, who wrote the life of radicalism by the Thomas Paine yeah. uh, biography. Uh, which I was doing the uh, the audio book. For. How's that going, man? <laughs> he canceled it. it. It was taking me far too long to do it with the campaign and the baby. And, yeah. um, and so I feel bad, but uh, he's still one of the greatest authors, I think, in, in my generation, uh, Dave Benner. And um, reading through that book when I was doing the audio book uh, was insane to think about this this time in history where this guy's writing these revolutionary pamphlets absolutely revolutionary and being from england and over yeah. here in the colonies going against england and by and the way the cojones the cojones it took. oh my yes. lord that's brass. what i saying brass Look, absolute brass balls on this guy to to do what he did um and uh you you know we could say all the things that thomas Paine said back then right now and no one gives no one gives a shit nobody cares right nobody's you, I could go out and say everything that Thomas Paine said on the street corner with a megaphone and people would just walk by and be like, right. Okay, cool. Whatever. Right. <laughs> but at that time when they're still under occupation of the, by the crown and there's this like uprising of like farmers and shit who are like, no England, fuck you. It was a big deal. And it's the same way with a lot of these writers when they, when they did these, yeah. these economics pamphlets and books, it was like such a stunning thing at the time, you know, and, so it's nice to have people that are taking these things to the next conclusion and 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 furthering the process of all that stuff. And um, someone brought up ball work in the in the uh, in the chat too. Nobody wants to talk about him. He's on there. Pretty sure he's on there. Um, and uh, and also great Austrian. Yeah, also great Austrian. Yeah, he's over there. In the, green, in the green square. He's just behind AJ's big head. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that anybody who's talking about Austrian economics would have to bring him up as well. So, um, but yeah, anyways, uh, Mike, we're getting towards the end of the thing here. Oh my goodness. I know it's been an hour and almost I've been we're patiently going waiting for you to, you to finish. So the thing I wanted to interject oh, is here we go. I, I could, here we go. I could make that. So I, <laughs> and, and I, I want to repeat an announcement I made in the, uh, debate that we had earlier too. So just to get a okay. plug. Yeah, no, we'll, we, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. A, a yeah, quick plug. That when I, I say we're yep. getting to the end of this thing, it's, yeah, it's you like didn't say we're at the end. You we got we're about 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Ryan. So, We're all waiting on pins and needles for you, yeah. but go ahead. So one thing that people like to do, and this this goes back to one of your primary disagreements with Chase Oliver, is people like to outsource their thinking. And if the entire mental health system is corrupted, parents are going to outsource their thinking about what is best for their child to these activists posing as experts. And that's that's going to happen in all sorts of areas of life. And the government very much pushes for you to try and outsource your thinking to them, the people that they deem as experts as the only Good point. The only governments I recognize are the government of Julia. 
it. Yeah. That's all I care. Same with you for Nancy, I'm sure. That's exactly right, which is why I said that uh, today. I really <laughs> resent it when someone tries to boss me around other than my wife. Right. It's and, true. and to be fair, <clears throat> to be perfectly fair, uh, Nancy doesn't. She's very sweet to me. Yeah. But if there's anyone to whom I'm going to turn for personal advice about what to do, you know, about, uh, well, a medical decision, you know, talk to your family and your spouse and, and your doctor, you know, find a doctor you can trust. Right. Right. And, and make your decision that way. But to lean on the government, I mean, even saying it sounds weird, doesn't it? You don't have to be a libertarian to think that's weird. Right. I always thought it was, I always thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. And I used to use this, this term back in 2018 and 2020 when I was running for chair, I used to use this term where people would be like, well, what about healthcare? And I'd be like, go to any .org website right now. Anyone, I don't care what one it is. Go there, try to use the website, and then tell me those are the people you want in charge of your healthcare. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like any single website that they've paid millions of dollars to yep. cultivate is horrendous. It's so the true. worst website. So true. The yeah. worst. And yeah. you want those people in charge of your healthcare? I don't think so, dude. That's a terrible idea. Terrible. Um, conspiracy theory, uh, conspiracy extremist. Thanks for a five dollar super chat. He said, "After we defeat the Nephilim as president, what will you say do to encourage America to have a large families to grow our population?" Latin on. Let's start with you, Mike. What will we say to the population to, yeah, encourage, to encourage them them to have large families? Yeah, that, to grow. Uh, well, our population. first of all, I don't think it's appropriate for a public official to be telling you uh, to expand your family, but I do think that there are things that you can say to effectively encourage that. In other words, we're going to stay out of your life. We're going to support you to be able to raise your children in the way that you see fit. We're not going to keep interrupting your First Amendment rights in a way that undermines your ability to pursue your faith in the way that, that, that you uh, see fit. These are things that undermine families. Sure. They really do. They undermine families. You don't have to explicitly say, go raise a big family, to do things that would help people foster that environment in which it's a good idea to do so. And I talk about that a Agreed. lot too. I think that, you know, a, the subsidy subsidization of separating families, which right now the federal government is one of the most disgusting things the government yeah, can do the, through the federal government. We're entitled 40, the social security act. We're subsidizing the States. We're paying the States. I think it, I, I always mess up the exact it's, amount, but it's like a dollar for every 80 cents that they spend on these programs to separate 66 families. Cents. 66 cents. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. You're right. So a dollar, we pay the state governments a dollar for every 66 cents they spend on any of these child welfare and fam, family law programs. We're paying the states to separate families. But on top of that, too, we, we you know, subsidize abortion, right? We, we, we have a, a corporate news media that plays clips of like, we're married and childless people all the time mm -hmm. and beat it into people's head that having kids is a, a chore and it's so hard. Dinks. Right? Dinks, yeah. Double what? income, no kids. Dumb. Dumb is what I call it. Um, yep. if, you know, and I talk a lot about this on the show. I, I don't want to die and get eaten by my cats. I want to have a legacy and I want my kids to be happy and make sure that I, I created a legacy of, of humans that loved me and I didn't die alone, right? Um, so there's a lot of like really important things th that, that the government does that keeps people from having families. And, and the biggest one may even be, you know, just making it impossible for people to think they can afford a family yeah. right through inflation. And I mean, go try buy a house right now. Okay. I've, I've been working on my credit for the last several years so that we mm -hmm. can buy a house and I'm at, I'm at house buying level now Okay, for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And even now I'm like, no, 
I can't buy a house right now. We can't do it. This is crazy. It's absolutely insane. And so like, so like, yeah, Mike's right. Like the government, you don't have to explicitly say, hey, go have a family. You just got to return the, the power. Stop doing the stupid yeah. crap you're doing now to prevent yeah. them from feeling good about it. Yeah. You know, the other thing, Josh, to your credit, uh, you spend time, uh, how do I say this correctly, not hiding how important your faith is to you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I appreciate that a, a great deal. I was, I was raised by a Lutheran and, and a Calvinist. And... Um, my faith is the only reason I'm alive today sure. on any number of levels. Um, I do believe that the federal government and all governments would do us a great big favor in a really profound way if, it, if, 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 if government officials didn't just assume it was their business to talk about culture at all. Right. You know, one of the things that bothers me is that I do believe that our culture has been undermined, supplanted, right? supplanted by the government playing such a deep role in our lives and at such a detailed granular level, right? Ryan, do you need a minute to look up supplanted? As though, as though. <laughs> are you, are you going to? He's just gonna, teasing me. You're, you're the one with the bigger hey, I know big words right and stuff, okay? He's, he's I just can't spell you. my entire vocabulary, but it's big. Hey, I can't spell anyone's vocabulary. I can't even spell <laughs> vocabulary, okay? <laughs> So don't uh, don't don't feel like you need to be defensive because Josh is teasing you. But oh, I, I I do believe that the government has uh, fostered this environment of authoritarianism where these politicians feel like it's their business to talk about absolutely anything, and for this reason, it is growing into something that I think a lot of us recognize as a new type of religion. Right. Right. Yep. You absolutely. know, people have a faith in government institutions in politicians in you know some of the stupid shit that governments do that is that is weird it's absolutely weird and if we could just reverse that it would foster an environment that would be more conducive to raising a family in a much more healthy way okay yeah. i have and a I, question I, for you mike i do so there was oh, a God. government official uh, the prime minister of japan actually who <laughs> gradually ramped up about the declining birth rate in Japan, and basically by the end of his life, he essentially said, "Young people, you need to start fucking now." <laughs> <laughs> like that. Well, I, I, you know, I, he's, he's not wrong. I'm just not sure it's a public official's role to, to yeah. say that out loud. Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with a government official saying, "Hey, our birth rates are not doing very good in the United yeah. States." I don't think there's anything wrong with mm -hmm. that. And I think that there's, you know, it's a good thing to say, you know, hey, we're going to start. You can be a government official and say, hey, guess what? For the first time in 100 years, we're going to we're going to remove all of the barriers that make it hard for you to have a family because you should have a family. You should be able to have a family. Mm -hmm. You should be able to, as a human being, do the one thing that human beings are supposed to do and have a family. But the government has made it very hard purposely. It's all by design. You know, and, and, and I talk a lot about Yuri Bezmenov on this show and mm -hmm. how Yuri came over, defected from Russia, and talked a lot about how the communists are going to get into your institutions, and they're doing it right now. We This is the playbook. They're getting into your schools. They're getting into your government. They're getting into the corporate news media. They're getting into all these things, and they're attacking the family, and they're going to attack your faith, 
and they're going to destroy these institutions on purpose, right? And, and every now, year is worse than the previous yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. And now, and now there's three churches up the street from me with rainbow flags on the front of the church, right? Like, and and don't get me wrong, I don't think there's a like if you want to be gay, be gay. But like when the churches are starting to tell you that it's okay to to just you know do these things and we're nobody cares, God's fine with that's it. That's a like, shift. It's that's a shift. A, that's, that's a, a shift. Big, yeah. big shift. That's a big shift. That's a Very big shift. Big. It's not a small shift. That's a big shift. Mm-hmm. Yuri Bezmenov was right, and he warned us, right, that this was going to happen. So, like, having a government official, it's like, look, we know that the communists have made it, have come in and tried their very hardest to ruin the family and ruin your faith and destroy what you were made to do as a human, and we're going to remove those barriers. We're done. We're not doing that anymore as, 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 as a government. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't. Now... Me saying you must go. I'm not going to be like you got to have two babies, right? Like yeah. that's you know. What are you doing Friday night? I'd like to. I'd like <laughs> to be that guy, you know, as much as I'd like to be, you know, because my own personal belief that you should have as many babies as God wills, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I really believe that. I think if you want to, if you want to have a big family, you should be able to have a big family. And in fact, I think it's important that you have a big family and you have lots of kids because they're best friends. I know they love each but other. But the government that assumes that it's their role to tell you to that, do that is the bad also. Government. Uh, assumes the role to say, well, you can only have one. Right. And the right. the tricky spot that governments uh, would be in is uh, the things that they could potentially do to n- kind of skew things so people have more kids would be educate educate women less, less educated women have more kids, um, get rid of birth control, uh, birth control. Are you life. are you coming out in favor of repealing the Nineteenth Amendment? Uh, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. I mean, Let's go! Potentially. <laughs> uh, and then I encourage people to be more religious, which all of those things would be potentially detrimental to the government because you know, people that are religious are less dependent on the government and are less religious towards the government. You replace... You replace them. I uh, if you take women out of the workforce, you're gonna have your your economy school. Are we absolutely sure about that? Yeah. I don't know. No. Yeah. Because our economy does. was just fine when, when women stayed home and raised you're, babies. You're, you're, your total your your total GDP going to the GD Hey, I want I want you to understand something. The GDP is a giant a giant fiat lie, dude. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. At the end of the yeah. day, it doesn't matter. So, so Mike's Mike's laughing at me because he's. I'm, now, I'm, I'm just saying, Ryan. If they if, don't if go to work, end, they have to go do something else. But if a woman if decides they, to stay home, right? If a woman decides to stay home, yes. And that decision is a good decision for her and her family. Mm-hmm. Is there is the family's welfare gone up or has it gone down? But what do you what do you mean by like what do you? Well, Meaning I guess, uh, yeah, uh, their like, happiness. Okay, yeah, their goodness. Uh, the goodness it's of gone life. Up. What? It's gone up. But that's it, exactly but right. That's, that's and not if what GDP the suggests cares. something bad has happened, then GDP is a great big fucking lie, like your host just told you. Yeah. The, yeah. Hey, listen, the Economist agrees with me. I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but govern in terms of government of government officials, GDP would be something that they care about quite a bit. And then also sure, another thing they sure. care about quite a bit is Well, they tax can't revenue. tax, right. They can't tax the value of a woman staying at home. Yes, which, right. which so that's becomes a problem. There you go. kind of an horrible. And, and so we don't want to say the GDP because... itself is a big lie, but the way that politicians and other people use mm-hmm. it 
is yeah. is a big yes. lie. That's probably more fair to GDP. It's like it's like GDP has gotten it, a bad it, rap. It's like stats for anything. GDP is just like stats for anything. You yeah. can twist it in any way you want. Maybe GB, GDP would go down, but home, I in in the short term that's going to boost the GDP and things, the numbers that you care about. But in the long term, it's going to lower the birth rate, going to lower your tax base and your workforce, and the amount of people that innovate for your economy that actually drives the growth and it's in the long term it's going to kill it yes women staying at home might reduce uh gdp in the short term as that we measure as we measure it mm -hmm. it might reduce gdp because we don't measure as part of national income the value of staying home that's a that's a measurement problem though our welfare is still better off when people make better decisions for themselves and their and their and their families. Is it possible that women staying at home would lead to lower uh, consumption rates and investment rates if you didn't measure again? If you didn't measure as investment the investment in her children that that time represents, sure. But that's a, these are these are measurement problems. Society is still better off when women and men make better decisions for their families. And I think that if the government got out of doing the stupid shit that it does to subsidize what it views as good policies that we know are bad policies for families, we would be better off. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, hold I on. agree okay. with you. I'm just trying to yeah. provide a little perspective. Gotta yell, I'm going to yell at Ryan again. It's going to happen. It's coming. <laughs> I, uh, listen, Ryan. Uh, we talk, I obviously talk about, you know, Gerald Ford signing in Title 40 in law, right, uh, for Social Security and how we went from like one in 60 families was a fatherless home to one in four families as a fatherless home. That, and that's, we need to say that's an overall average of all yeah. Americans. Right. There are certain groups in America where that number is much larger. Much larger. Yeah. Much larger. Okay. But all groups it's are dark. catching up. Yeah, all groups are yes. To be yeah, fair, all groups yes. are catching up. There may Correct. be some groups that are chronologically ahead. But yes. we're all headed Not, in the same direction. Here, hold on, shut up, Ryan. Ryan, agreed. shush. Let me finish my one thought that I'm trying to have here, okay? <laughs> and so, and so, with that, we've seen an increase of tenfold in violent youth offenders, uh, homeless and runaway youth, uh, school dropouts, um, and many other terrible societal collapsing types of things. Okay, and I mean a lot. We're talking eighty-four percent mental of, health problems. Yeah, mental health problems. Eighty drug use. Ninety-two percent of mass shooters are from fatherless homes. I mean, this is there's a there's such a correlation here that anybody that wants to argue these stats with me is is, is going to be in a bad spot. Okay, what do you think if if tomorrow the government said, you know what, we're going to cut all this stuff, we're going to cut all this stuff, we're going to give you get back your your financial stability and rights, and we're just going to stop, we're going to get out of this game, and all of a sudden mothers got to stay home. My wife stays home with kids. Okay. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the kid, the, the 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 mom could stay home with the kids. The dad can go to a normal eight hour a day job, five days a week, and come home. And and you guys have the perfect life. You could buy a house. You could have two vehicles. You can do all the things that you used to be able to do in society when we were on our way to being a society that retired at fifty years old. Because we were, we are no longer. Now you're going to work till you die. Mm -hmm. Do you think that those stats that I just that I just gave you the one in four follows homes the the eighty two percent of violent youth offenders all these things do you think those would drop or go up? I think they would drop, but significantly, not a little bit. Significantly, I, I don't think it would be fifty percent as dramatic as you think. Fifty percent drop minimum, guaranteed, dude. And you know why I know that? Because we've already done this in society. We already had this society where 
moms got to stay home with kids and dads went to work and they could retire at, you know, 65 years old, right? We already had this society. And you know what violent youth offenders were at? Like 25% of what they are today. But that's society. Ma- maximum. The women weren't gaslit for 20 years that staying at home and being a mother is a bad thing. And that you have Do to you think that woman. most women... Most women in America, this is a crazy question and no, no one can really answer this with a full, with the full chest, right? But do you think that most women want to get up and leave their children every day? Do you think that, that it's even, would you even say that 50% of women want to get up and leave their children every day? Once they have children, no. But, oh, well, no shit. But we're approaching the point where the majority of women under 30, don't have children. Yeah, and most of those women are going to die alone without any generational anything. So, like, they're still the women that are going to carry on are going to be women who have children, mm-hmm. right? Their legacies. So, like, that's the thing is like, do what percentage of women do you think today, given the opportunity to stay home with their children and still have a home and a car and all these things, would take the opportunity to stay home with their children? All I'm betting them. you. I'm betting you. It's all a, of them. A, a lot. All of them. It's not all of them. Look, one it's of not the all of them. It's a lot, though. It's yeah, a it's lot, a lot, Ryan. Yeah. Dude, one yeah. of the I, things that I think I needs know. to be said, Josh, is first of all, you, you're right, but it's also important, I think, for us to recognize that public policy is, and necessarily must be, downstream from culture. For these things to really take hold and to change, means that we need cultural change, and those cultural changes Correct. can't just come from changes in public policy. Right. A lot of the crappy public policy we have is because our culture has, I suppose I need to be careful uh, here just for a moment, our culture is not as healthy as it once was. Correct. That, that's, a, that's not a very dramatic statement. I'm watering that way down. <laughs> for, <laughs> I think we hear you. Really mean, Mike. I think we hear you. And, and, and so the course correction is really a lot more profound. I think Josh is right that if you reverse all this bad public policy, you would get dramatic and rapid effects uh, that are going in the right direction. But you wouldn't you wouldn't clean up all of it. That you really we need a, a a lot of cultural change. That I think as libertarian politicians we need to be really careful about talking about because our role is to talk about public policy. And when people hear us talk about cultural change. I think they naturally worry, what are you going to do with government to right. force down our throats, your version of what you think cultural change should be? That happens a lot in just casual discussion I'll have with, my, with my friends. And they'll go, oh, what, what would you do as a libertarian? I go, well, I wouldn't do anything. That's a cultural thing. That's to this, you know, whatever group, whatever group of people we're talking about, all Americans or certain groups. I go, well, that's their group's problem. That's, that's not a problem for the government. Yeah. You can't fix it that way. Yeah, that's well that's, said, and that's yeah. not to say it's unimportant. You can take away right? the bad stuff, but you you can't you can't put government in charge of 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 fixing uh, right. a cultural problem in society. It's just not. It just doesn't work. Right, and it bothers me when people assume what you mean is that it's not important enough for government right. to be involved with. Right, and I often find myself saying it's actually too important for me to allow the government to to get in here and try to help. Yeah, right. It's it's one of those things that we just don't want government screwing up. It's, it well, can I be think, a tough sell. Listen, I think after we lock up, you know, ninety to hundred percent of the COVID regime, a lot of the stuff's going to go. Away. <laughs> We're putting them. Uh, some of them belong under 
under Guantanamo, but some of them in Guantanamo too. And I know I say that in jest because, you know, when people are like, oh, you're a libertarian, you want to close Guantanamo Bay. And I'm like, well, you know, as long as we're using it for terrorists, we should use it for the real terrorists, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. The people who, uh, you know, locked, locked legitimate terrorists, legitimately uh, brought this, this tyranny and this, this terrorism to our shores. Uh, was our own government, dude. At the end of the day, you know, the we've had a couple of terrorist attacks here and there, and of course, nine eleven, which could have been perpetrated by any number of people that we'll never be know the truth about. But um, I do know for a fact, in front of my own eyes, uh, my government, our government, uh, perpetrated all kinds of crazy terrorism over the last four years on its innocent people. It was an act of war against peaceful people, uh, and they belong. If they've, Guantanamo should exist, it should exist for those people. Well, it's certainly a form of aggression. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite comfortable calling it terrorism because I don't know that they did it for purposes of terrorizing. I think they did it for purposes of tyranny, which is a, a subtle and perhaps unimportant distinction. I want to, I want, I want to plug what I want to plug. Sure, yeah, we're, I'm we're dying to plug what well, I want to plug. Getting, we're getting to the end of this thing. I mean, yeah. So if I'm going to get my plug last, in, yeah, this is the last getting to this the is my last end. shot. <laughs> so to get we've my gone, plug. we've gone the 20 minutes over. We're getting to the end of this thing. This is the Midwest goodbye. This, <laughs> this is time we, we mean it. Yeah, this is the Midwest goodbye, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I got to get going. Well, yeah, well, yeah. And now, now we're at the knee slap. Yeah, okay, we're at the knee right. slap. Well, time to go, right? So, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute thank you. Plug your thing. Yeah, we're. Where can plug my find, thing. Yeah, where can people find you, support I'm you, listen to you? I'm a little uncomfortable with Ryan telling me to yeah. plug my thing. <laughs> should be, too, because um, he's definitely the gay one on the show. So, <laughs> No. Uh, look, I want to plug the fact that we have an AI bot that is up and running. I think it's very fun. It's called Lisa, uh, the Libertarian Intelligence System application. You can find it at libertarianintelligence.org, and it's very fun. It's a it's a bot. I don't know if everyone in your audience has played with an AI bot yet or not. Oh yeah, I, I defeated Lisa. Yeah, we, I did yeah. defeat Lisa. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. I, I may have helped the Fortune. But I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah, you two are not allowed. Getting, getting everyone in the United bot. States is allowed so. to use it except for you two. All right, Josh, I'm just talking to you and your listeners. Okay, these two are not allowed. On. Fair. Uh, I encourage everyone to go on, try it out. I think you'll find that it's fun. Uh, it gives terrific answers for 99% of what it was fun. should be asking. Yeah, even, okay? even the defeat was funny. Yeah, yeah I posted it. Um, when you get an answer that you find weird or wrong, uh, yeah, let me know. Because we're still in a, a training phase, right? It's a, it's a growth and development uh, project. But it's a very fun project. And we think that it can make a contribution. We hope a significant contribution. To spreading the idea of libertarianism, how some of our solutions work beyond the libertarian party and beyond the reaches of YouTube. Right. Yeah. Who who controls the AI kind of controls the narrative sometimes. Maybe. I will. Sh- I will. And share we want to take a step yeah. in that. We want to yeah. start learning how to do that yeah. to to better advance what really matters. I agree. Where can people support your campaign at, man? That's can't. so weird for me to say that. No, dude. they can't. They can't. <laughs> Listen, if you're None watching the this show, we work. know whose campaign you're supporting. But Mike is great, <laughs> by the way. Well. And- yeah, in addition to supporting your campaign, uh, people can go to MikeTremont.com, which is tricky to spell because uh, there's two A's in Termont, but everyone in Western Michigan knows that. Uh, and they've already, been to, your, they've already been to your campaign. No, website, they've already so been good, there, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and they're complaining about uh, the lack of Calvinism in my AI bot. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure if Lisa knows what Calvinism is. I better go uh, check and, and train train her on that. Uh, it's easier to go to goldnewdeal.org. 
Sure. Uh, which is what the platform is all about. You can go to libertarianintelligence.org uh, and you can flip back and forth um, among them. And uh, my real contact information is there. So you can uh, text me, you can email me, let me know what your thoughts are. If, if I say anything that bothers you, uh, let me know. If your phone number is not already in my phone, like Josh's is, but if, if anyone else uh, texts me or phone calls me and I don't know who you are, we'll have to text first and I can call you back. But sometimes I answer the phone and don't know who it is, and that can be very fun and very weird at the same time. Yeah, I, I don't do that because of bill collectors, but... <laughs> bill collectors and government agencies you know uh no i'm just kidding. but 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 okay. we repeat ourselves yeah, yeah exactly exactly uh well i've had a pleasure having you all man ryan you got anything before we take off follow me on twitter at bulldog gamer 28 give me some yep cocks in the chat yeah we didn't get any yep cocks in the chat for our good friend ryan today yeah, dude David Brady was. Was there a couple? He, well, he, he was giving me some yep Iowa caucuses. Brady's Brady's cool as shit though. Oh, That's yeah. how he he's, rolls, he's man. He's a homie. He's a he's a he was a he's eighteen now. I think. We've had him on the show. In the, you here? When he yeah. Was, yeah. Here, Wait. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was David here. David Lorenzo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had David and Lorenzo, and then we had um, uh, Brett Lindenfelser came mm -hmm. drove down, and then oh, of course yeah. we had uh, who else? We had some others in the studio too. Derek Lutman and. Um, yeah, we've had some people in studio. Your studio is very fun, by the way, if I can give you a plug. Yeah. Um, if, if anyone out there ever gets an invitation from these three guys to join in the studio, I encourage you to accept the invitation, right? Yeah. Uh, even if it means travel, even if it means uh, some cold weather. Well, well the goal, the goal was to place. Uh, eventually ha be able to fly our guests out. That's the goal. And so if you become a That's member. That's a little extravagant. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, all the big shows do it. Um, and so, you know, if we, you know, if you become a supporting member of the show, um, that's not my campaign. You not, you're not supporting my campaign. You're supporting the show. Um, and that, that is, you know, operating costs, but also gets us a little bit closer. Uh, you know, if you become even a $5 monthly, uh, subscriber to the Patreon, we are going to start doing members only shows again, I think next week, um, hopefully. And, uh, <laughs> and so those shows that you're paying for, that's extra content. Uh, and there's already hundreds of of after hour shows there, including one with Tom Woods saying fuck that you've never heard him say before. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you do, and he, he debated on whether a hot dog was a sandwich or not, and then said fuck at the end. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, if you become a supporting member of the show, you're supporting the show and it's, it's, you know, the goal, the end goal is to set up this apartment here so that they have a place to stay. We can fly them out. They can do the show, eat dinner, hang with family, go home, all that stuff. So very fun idea. Yeah. That's the, that's mm -hmm. the goal for the show eventually. And I think mm -hmm. we'll get there. We'll we get have there. a terrific show here. I've really Thanks. enjoyed uh, being on it and uh, I enjoyed these two guys. Yeah. They're great. Tremendously. Yeah, they are great. We give Ryan a lot of shit, but that's cause he's like our little brother. You know? Yeah. Right? No, I get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We I love that. My role. Yeah, we bullied him into being a father. Yeah, we bullied him into procreating. So that's that's pretty cool. So the, so the government I can do it. Yeah, we yeah. can. The government <laughs> can do it. You will have children. <laughs> we, I, I take shit so I can go on my autistic grants. Yeah. Ah, uh, very nice. Yeah. And then we just call him gay and move on every time. It's kind of how it works. But it's no, he he brings a lot to the show. He is our he is our uh Ryan. Uh, he's our he Ryan. Crossland. No, he's our Ryan Crossland. Oh, I've, Ryan. I've upgraded. No, it's R I A N Ryan yeah. Cross uh, Crossland. No, mm. I love Ian too. I've been mm -hmm. on I've been on Temple's uh, show but, twice, and as much shit as that guy gets, he's one of the sweetest hippies I've ever met. Just a sweetheart. Uh, AJ, you got anything before we take off? Uh, yeah, follow me on X. Uh, poison underscore tip. 
and uh, I did some uh, live streaming uh, during the event today. Yeah, we had an issue with our Twitter. Live tweet tweeted some of my yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I post. Excuse me, they're not tweets anymore. They're posts. I posted to X. X posts. I live posted on X during the forum today. The same people who call it X are the people who say bruh and sussy baka. Okay. I'm I got a blue check. Twitter. I'm paying these people $11 a month, man. Are you, are you I'm all Yeah, for the yeah, I'm paying $11. Uh, listen, I'm, it I'm, was. I'm no Rizzler dog. I'm not going to call like it X. I'm, I'm always going to call it Twitter. I yeah, it's Twitter, too. Yeah. It's I'm Twitter and X. And, uh, and I don't care. And Twitter pays me. I don't pay Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? When people give me shit on Twitter, they're like, oh, you got a blue check mark. You pay $11 a month to use this platform. Like, do you understand that they pay me anywhere from $30 to $100 every two weeks just to tweet? Oh, yeah. I'm over $500. I got to monetize mine. You better. So, 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 like, yeah, I pay $11 and they pay me back, you know, three mm-hmm. times that every two weeks. So, why wouldn't I oh, pay the $11? I could probably at least pay by paying off my subscription. without paying the $11. So, it's totally yeah. worth it to pay the $11 if you have enough of a following to get paid from it. Yeah. So, really, the person in the situation when they're trying to mock me that's a dumbass is the one who can't figure out how to get paid by sitting at work and tweeting on their phone, right. okay? I'm just saying. Yeah. Booyah. Yeah, yeah, booyah, that bitch. <laughs> uh, anyways, we've got a great show for you guys on Thursday. Dave DeCamp from thegreatantiwar.com will be uh, by the show. He won't be in the studio, but he's going to step on, I think, 45 minutes. I'm going to look for another guest, too, so we can do an, an hour and a half, and we'll have two guests on. Cool. Um, if I don't find one by then, I'll let you know. I, I do need to I, let you know soon for the for yeah, the. Uh, sounds good. Thumbnail. I probably won't be there on Thursday. Okay. Uh, my grandfather passed away, and yeah, uh, funerals on Friday, visitation on Thursday. That's fine, man. It's a three-hour drive. Yeah. I, I don't want to take off at 7 a.m. with the month old yeah no we get it man uh yeah be safe traveling man aj you'll be here yeah i'll be here thursday Mm -hmm. aj will be here we'll have a great show uh i love you guys to death thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us for a special sunday show i do want to get back to doing two shows a week um and so i think that we're going to start doing that soon uh of course members only shows will return hopefully next week as well so if you want to become a member go to patreon.com backslash break the cycle js you can also if you hate patreon like a lot of people do we also have a um what's the other subscribe star subscribe star Mm -hmm. uh and it's the same subscribestar.com backslash break the cycle js or you can just join the the YouTube and that uh, pays us through Google. But just remember, Google takes a third of everything that we make. So it's much more than what Patreon or Subscribestar takes. So, um, But we are going to try and get back to monetizing the show. I know that people are like, oh, you want money? Yeah, we want money so that we can yeah, make the show bigger. Like That's money. the goal. And you guys can watch us five nights a week, which would be the ultimate goal. So, uh, Mike, you got something before we go? Uh, I got uh, thanks uh, for letting me be here with you guys. Uh, by the way, we also have a book coming out. Uh, same uh, same name as the platform, A Gold New Deal. Nice. It's on Amazon. It's a few bucks, I think. Nice. Go uh, go check out Mike's book. Uh, don't vote for him for president. Vote for me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, if he gets the nomination, vote for Mike for president. I would yeah. be more than happy to work for Mike's campaign if, if it comes down to it. Uh, I love you guys to death. I'll see you Thursday for our next show. Uh, don't forget to break cycle. To explain the lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse of the brain, but I just meant it in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just meant it in Minecraft. Your temper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. 
Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft Good, nothing I mean, you know it No product is, cause it's close to COVID 